All right, welcome to Vicious Talk with Benny Pete, episode 56 underway. Bringing back my good friend and co-host, Connor Larson, for our week 16 preview. Welcome back, buddy. Hey, man, it's, it's great to be here. We have a little Christmas Eve special. What's I have my, my what's Christmas poppin', man? What's my, where's my what's poppin'? Well, it's the, it's the Christmas special, so it's, uh, you know, Santa's popping right now. <laughs> Getting all the toys ready, dropping yeah. them off, and we're going to be dropping off insights to everyone Santa, who listens to the pod. Yeah, Santa and the elves working overtime at this point in, in the year. We're trying to get ready for that Christmas Eve, you know, flight. But you're right, going. Ben. What is popping? <laughs> What's popping, Connor? All right, buddy. Before we dive into our week 16 preview, just kind of going over some of the general stats. Um, I like to, I've been trying to monitor the, monitor these general trends, uh, especially in the recent weeks with a lot more data under our belts on the season. Love to uh, look at like the, the against the spread stats um, for just general trends in the NFL. Um, right now, away teams are covering 51.8% of the time against the spread this season. Favorites are covering just 43.8% of the time. So when you're picking a favorite and you're against the spread picks, make sure you're confident in it because 43.8% is not a lot um, for favorites this season. So if, if you're picking if you're laying the points on a favorite this year, the, the, the stats have shown you really got to be confident in it because they're 98 and 126 against the spread this season favorites. Um, that makes the road that makes the the underdogs 56.3%. So that's actually something to consider. So I know people like the you know the general public or the people that aren't necessarily sharp with gambling uh like to you know pick the best team and that that's not necessarily the best strategy especially this season uh when you're when you're laying points on favorites. And um away favorites 44.3% away dogs so away uh, underdogs are covering 56.62%. That's still a significant margin away underdogs, something to, to look, keep an eye on. And I, I like the last couple of weeks, Connor and I have been trying to focus on which underdogs and which road underdogs specifically are we trying to target as good values um, against the spreads um, home underdogs are actually covering 55.7% of the time. So that's a significant trend as well. So keep an eye on, look, these underdogs are hitting this season, you know, and, and, you know, you don't always love picking the worst team, but the spreads and the value that you're getting with some of those, it makes it worthwhile. Um, Over-under splits this season are pretty even. Um, Basically, the over-unders are 109 on the over, 112 on the under. So 49 to 50% um, on, on each side. And so it's not significant either way. So um, the over-under lines have been, set pretty well um, in Vegas and in gambling lines this season. Yeah, so it seems like they just really haven't adjusted to the impact of an away team. Totally. Um, the difference in the practice schedule and having fans in the stadiums. Because so that's a, that's the away a significant teams are getting, percentage, those underdogs. Right. Going, going from what previously was a three-point advantage for home teams uh, for Vegas standards. And then how do you, how do you actually change that? And is there even in a home field advantage? And we're really finding that it's not nearly as impactful as previous seasons. Completely. All right, Connor. Uh, We've been doing pretty well in our, in our handicapping lately. I know sometimes we'll miss one here and there and we'll have some, some, some duds here and there. I mean, who could have predicted those Cincinnati and New York Jets upsets last week? I mean, insane. I mean, we're just, those are historic upsets. Two were, were they both? They were both fourteen point favorites. I think by the end of that closing line between Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, I think it was a fourteen point line, and the Rams were favored by seventeen. I think the seventeen and a half points against the Jets. Both lost straight up. Incredible. 
really just something that none of nobody could have predicted. I mean, the, the site that I use for gambling didn't even offer me a money line odds on the Jets and the Bengals because they didn't want to pay out the the possible, you know, right payout. You know, they don't they would have lost a lot of money on that. So yeah, there's a something to be said about this. I mean, really it doesn't feel like we have a lot of good teams this year. And I don't know if that's necessarily a thing because of injuries or COVID restrictions or, you know, just kind of different variables factoring into this year that are not necessarily ones that you would consider in other seasons in a normal, a normal year where you don't really have to worry about a pandemic and operating mm-hmm. amongst, amongst, you know, COVID. And it really feels like there's been multiple seasons within this season for different teams and with the different levels of injury, um, we're seeing a, a definitely a heightened um, level of injury this season. The numerous COVID rule outs and then the change in schedules has really led to some teams playing a lot in short periods of time. And so the season has really become um, subsets where trend following the trends that are currently happening in the league is very important. So if you look at the Steelers in the beginning of the season, their running game was fantastic. Their offense and defense was really healthy and they were dominating teams. Lately, they they had four games in 18 days and, you know, their top running back and two of their top linebackers were both injured. And so we could have seen not necessarily that this team was going to lose on Sunday in a 14 point game, but been more confident in the under, which we were. So I think these are things that we need to stay on top of throughout the season and, and look for those micro trends, not just season long stats, but maybe the last four games to really look yeah. into how a team has been doing and how they're going to do in the next game. Definitely. Yeah. Micro trends is, is a good, is a good theme because I think that when you look at trends that develop over the short term, you got to look at what causes those trends. And so for Pittsburgh, it felt like the injuries, it felt like kind of a shift in their mentality and their motivation. And it seemed like over the last three games, they've lost three in a row now. And it's it just, their offense just looks completely out of sorts. Like they're pointing the finger at each other and the receivers can't catch the ball. Well, big Ben Juju's dancing on logos. Yeah. And then and now he's lost that mojo where he's like, no, I'm not going to be doing that anymore. So he's losing that edge and he's that cockiness. And that was their MO. And you know, they you either steer into it or you just admit defeat and, you know, and really the, the Steelers seem to be have at this point, they've, they've been humbled and they lost to one of the worst teams in the NFL last week by a lot of mutual consent across, you know, all, all types of platforms. Cincinnati's not getting ranked above, you know, 27th or 28th in most power rankings. And that was a very embarrassing loss for them. And, but, you know, same with the Rams. That was just like, I watched more of that game. Well, actually, I watched both those games, unfortunately, because they were both kind of lousy games. And uh, the Rams really just had a, bar- a really embarrassing loss against the Jets. And the Jets' defense really just caused the Rams so much trouble. And it has me – I was optimistic about the Rams' chances for this season. But if the New York Jets – and can cause that much trouble for the Rams offense. I mean, there's going to be teams that are be studying what the Jets did to the, to the Rams in that game because they clearly caught them off guard. The Rams did not take the Jets seriously enough. I mean, did you hear about the story about how McVay called Gase before it was like, it was like on a Thursday last week and McVay called him at like four 30 in the morning. Gase was on the Eastern coast on the East coast. So he was at seven 30 in the morning in the office. McVay studying another tape at like four 30 AM. And he calls Gase and he's like, man, I got to tell you, your team plays hard. And, you know, you, you guys, although your record doesn't show it, you guys are playing hard. And, and you know, credit to the Jets, they do play hard. They, they've they been close mm-hmm. in a number of games. They, they were close to the Raiders. They were close against the Pats. And the Jets are just one of the most – they're probably the least talented team in the NFL. But 
it felt like that call from McVeigh was a very passive aggressive uh, comment because clearly the Rams did not take the Jets seriously enough. And McVeigh even said himself, the Jets play hard. And they got, <laughs> what's crazy is the Jets fans consider this moment maybe the second worst in their hist- in their team's history because now they're going to probably miss out on Trevor Lawrence. And, I mean, the worst is probably the butt fumble for the Jets. <laughs> but, you know, there's just a culmination of just miserable times in New York for the, for the Jets. And uh, even, they, even when they win, they lose. So, yeah. All right, well – Let's uh let's start diving into some of our weekly handicapping. We'll go through each matchup, kind of give you a lean one way or the other, give you offer our some of our best bets, and then we'll we'll close out the podcast with our DFS lineups and our values there. Sound good? Sounds great to me. All right, buddy. Well, let's kick it off. We got a Friday game this week. A weird NFL schedule. We got games Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I think I heard that that's the first time in NFL history that that's happened. Friday, Saturday, Sunday games. And I love it. Yeah. And so we'll get football each of the next three days um, after today, Christmas Eve, we're recording on Thursday, t- December 24th. So we'll get uh, football on the 25th, 26th, and 27th. The only game on Friday is the Minnesota Vikings at the New Orleans Saints. Saints lane seven points is the favorite. The over-under total at 50 and a half. So going into this one, Minnesota is six and eight. They're 18th in DVOA rankings, football outsiders rankings, two and three over the last five. They lost to Chicago last week, 27 to 33. New Orleans, 10 and four on the season. They're first in DVOA rankings. They lost two in a row now to Philadelphia and Kansas City. They lost to the Chiefs last week, 29 to 32. Coming to this one, Minnesota's Six and one against the spread in their last seven games on the road against New Orleans. Minnesota is also four and one against the spread in their last five road games. Um, this game is, I don't know how I want to lean in this one because Breeze looked so bad last week. And so it felt like, you know, you, you know, there was an aspect of Drew Brees of being a gamer. He wanted to come back as soon as he could. He felt like he, he was healthy enough to, to suit up, and he probably saw Taysom Hill's miserable, miserable performance against Philadelphia the week before. And um, welcome, Coco, to the podcast, uh, making an appearance on Connor's. Uh, Coco sighting, yep. <laughs> but we, um, we saw the Saints just kind of have a, a lot of ups and downs over the recent weeks. And, you know, that they, they lost that game 29 to 32 to the Chiefs last week, but it, it never really felt like there was a threat that the, the, the Chiefs weren't going to win that one. And that seems to be the theme in a lot of Chiefs games this year where they, they win by a little bit, but it feels like a lot. And I don't, I, I don't know how I want to handicap this one yet because Drew Brees is just a, such a big question mark. But what are your thoughts with this one, Connor? Um, I actually feel pretty good about New Orleans coming into this game. And I know they lost by three against the Chiefs. And the Chiefs really don't intend to blow teams out. But keeping it close uh, against the Chiefs, which we widely regard as the number one team in the NFL, is certainly something that could be noted. Um, especially in Drew Brees' first game back off of you know, 11 cracked ribs and a collapsed lung and 10 other different things that he had going on. But he, he hopefully should be playing himself back into shape a little bit. Um, I'm not sure if it actually is a hindrance for this team to not have Michael Thomas because Drew Brees tends to love to spread the ball out so much. I'd be more worried about Michael Thomas being out if Taysom Hill was the quarterback since Taysom tended to just really rely on him. Um, I think Kamara does fine. I think he has a really great game against Minnesota after David Montgomery just torched them. And essentially... 
Kamara is what ten times better than David Montgomery, even though he's <laughs> the guy's on a hot streak. But um, hey, don't yeah, short, think, don't shortchange Monty, man. He's having a, a hell of a stretch. It is. It is absolutely a stretch, and part of that stretch is because he's been playing some bad defenses. Minnesota being one of them. Given, I think Kamara can can do very well here, um, and I think that the Saints cover the seven points. Yeah, I don't hate that idea that. And I think that the Saints are due for a statement win. Um, but this is one of the road underdogs that I'm highlighting here, that Minnesota just has a chance to cover this, I think, because um, I, I gave those numbers against the spread. They do have good records like consistently against the spread over their year. I mean, Mike Zimmer, since he took over head coach at Minnesota, is best in the league against the spread. He The Vikings are consistently um, a team that covers in gambling sectors. And... Um, I don't know. Minnesota just has, uh, I have a hard time uh, laying the seven points for New Orleans here because I just think Minnesota keeps this game close. So if I had to lean one way or the other, I would take Minnesota on the points. But, you know, if, if I had to lean Minnesota, that makes me think that I, I like the over at 50 and a half more so than the than than anything with a pick here. Um, because I think the Minnesota keeps this game close. Like And like you said, I think New Orleans offense is starting to improve. Uh, Breeze hopefully gets a little bit healthier in this one. Hopefully Kamara has a big game um, because he's been due for one for, I mean, if, if anybody in fantasy championships has Kamara and you know, that's not credit to anybody who does because Kamara has been, he was a workhorse early in the year and then he hasn't closed out great lately. And um, you know, if, if Kamara's on your championship roster, you had a lot of help with other, with other parts uh, in your fantasy rosters, but your cat Coco, man loves, loves the zoom screen. Oh my God. She's loving the content today. <laughs> she must like the new Orleans Saints and your pick, but you know, I'm I think say, so. I'm gonna, my pick here would be the over at 50, 50 and a half points. I think there's a decent amount of offense in this game. Yeah. I think that's a fair handicap. Um, what, what really has me feeling confident about new Orleans is we know Drew Brees' performance in, in the dome down in new Orleans is just so strong. And Minnesota is a bit of a Jekyll and high team this season, seven and seven. They've had stretches where they're one and five stretches where they're five and one. And I really just don't know what to make of that team. I, I think that the Saints are a top three team and a Super Bowl contender. So if I had to lean one way, I'm definitely going to lean on the team that I think is, is a lot stronger. Um, if you're going to be on New Orleans, part of the case is that that Saints defense and that great defensive line is going to shut down Dalvin Cook. So if you're going to be, I think, you know, you're right there. If you're going to take Minnesota, you kind of have to take the over. If you're going to take New Orleans, you're going to go with the under probably. Um, yeah, I, I feel good about the Saints, but they're not, certainly not my favorite bet. Okay. All right, next one. We'll, we'll, let's roll into the Saturday schedule. We got three games on Saturday. Exciting day of football. The first one we got on the docket, Tampa Bay at Detroit. Tampa Bay the favorite, nine-and-a-half point favorite here. Big spread, 54-point over-under total. Tampa Bay is 9-5 and five on the season. They're second in DVOA. They, get, they consistently get ranked high in advanced stat rankings um they're three and two over the last five they beat uh they beat atlanta in a, in a comeback victory last week 31 to 27 not quite that super bowl comeback that brady had against the falcons but you know close to was it 24 to 7 something like that man uh, tampa bay they were seemed they seemed down and out in that game last week against the falcons come back and and i think they scored like 21 unanswered points or something like that and you know brady led the, the tampa bay offense to a, a impressive comeback victory there Detroit on the season, they're five and nine, 25th in DVOA rankings, one and four over the last five games. They lost to Tennessee last week, 25 to 46. 
you know, this, this game has me, if I have to pick anything, I would take Tampa Bay in the points because I just can't trust Detroit and their motivation in this one. They, they lost the, their head coach, um, to COVID protocols. They have a, the wide receiver specialist head coaches. You know, I can never remember these guys' names, but they, I, I, they, uh, they had an interim head coach after Matt Patricia was fired, and now their interim manager um, got close contact and, and is going to be out for this game with COVID. And so Detroit with an, another a third new head coach on the season. And, you know, I, I think that's going to negatively affect them. While earlier in the year, I thought that the firing of Matt Patricia was going to be a positive boost for them. I don't think that losing your coach due to COVID is going to be a good for Detroit. And so if I have to lean one way or the other, I'll take Tampa Bay in this one there. Um, but you know, the 54 point over under total has me, it's a high, it's a high point total, but you know, I lean over because I think both these offenses are going to be scoring points in this one. But what are your thoughts, Connor? Yeah, I'm I'm worried about Tampa Bay. They tend to get down a lot um, early on in these games, and they seem to just win it by by their shoestrings. And so I don't feel comfortable really playing the line in this one. Um, I feel what like what about Tampa a teaser Bay, though? What, 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 Tampa Bay. I mean, last week we saw a lot of teams who were the favorites, like Indianapolis, Green Bay. Uh, there was a number of favorites last week that people had in teasers. And so the parlays weren't hitting, but the teasers were. And so this could mm. be another one of those instances where Tampa Bay, you tease them down to minus three and a half and maybe they cover that one. What I probably do is I throw them in a parlay on the money line. Um, I think they win the game. I'm not confident they win by much. Um, I, you know, they just seem to keep winning these close games against bad teams where you really wish they were blowing them out really up and down week to week, but also within the same games too. But they have so much offensive firepower that even if their defense gives up some splash plays, I like them to come back. Um, and that's why I think a lot of points get scored. So I would probably do something if I want to get some value out of this game along the lines of taking the over and then adding in the Tampa Bay money. That's not a bad handicap. I think so. The over it seems to be the trend here with these two teams. I mean, four of Tampa Bay's last four road games, all four of them have gone over. 11 of Detroit's last 13 home games have gone over. And uh, Detroit is 10 and three against the spread in their last 13 games against Tampa. So there's some trends here to consider. I think maybe you're right. Maybe Detroit covers the, the spread here, but then the over on the 54 might hit. So yeah, I could see that happening. Yeah, and Matt Stafford has been playing better. Last week, he threw a pretty sick touchdown to Marvin Jones in the end zone. I'm not sure if you saw that highlight, but yeah, that he's no looking at was, one receiver oh, and man. he came across his body. It was and Mahomes' you know, I ass. Even, was, I couldn't even see it good enough until they slowed it down because the the, the quickness of how he did that, like, oh, mm-hmm. man, it's so impressive. impressive and he hit that you know, through between like three defenders, and you know that was a hell of a throw. You know, Stafford's been in and out for this team, so I don't know if their record's a true reflection of how good Detroit is. They haven't had Kenny Galladay. DeAndre Swift is is healthy and playing well, and he, he should be active in this game as well. So with Stafford, Jones looking better, you know, Hawkinson's it's, been a main such offense. a gamer, I man. Could, I think it could be okay. I think they could cover this nine and a half. Stafford's such a gamer, man. He throughout his career, always suffering those like just awful injuries. I mean, he has an injury on his thumb. He had some rib injuries this season, like, and he still just sucks it up and plays. And he, you know, you want to think that these injuries are going to hinder him, but he still goes out there and balls out. And he, the Detroit offense, he, he, he keeps it rolling. And so, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm talking myself he, into thinking they might cover this one. 
He had previously played with uh, broken vertebrae before in, in, se- in different know, seasons. Dude. You know, this guy is so tough. I, I just wish we kind of got to see Stafford in his prime play more competitive and significant games because he's he's fun to watch. You know, if 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 you switch the the situations between Rodgers and Stafford, who are have been mostly rivals throughout their careers, even though Rodgers dominates that matchup because Green Bay has consistently been a better team. You know, if you switch those two opportunities where you put Stafford on Green Bay and you put Rodgers in Detroit, we might be talking about Stafford in, in a similar light that we talk about Aaron Rodgers. He certainly has the skill set. You know, the the decision making has always been an issue with Stafford and he, he tends to be more of a gunslinger. Um, but yeah, I mean, the talent's there and he can put up points. Yeah. All right. Well, enough about Detroit. I mean, we could we can only talk about the Lions for so long, but let's go on the next matchup. Saturday matchup uh, afternoon game between San Francisco 49ers and the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals are the favorite by five points. Arizona minus five. The over under point total line at 49. Look, who's the home team in this one? You know, San Francisco has been in Arizona the last few weeks. Arizona is playing at home. San Fran's five and nine on the season. They're 14th in DVOA first uh, they got their first win in last seven games. I'm oh, sorry. They got one win in, in, their, in their last seven games. They lost to Dallas last week, 33 to 41. The Niners beat the, the Rams a couple weeks ago for their only win in those last seven. But Niners really losing some motivation at this point in the season. This the injuries and, you know, just all the different difficulties and the hurdles they've had to overcome this year, really just beating them down. And it's hard to see how they get up in this game. Arizona on the season, they're eight and six, 13th in DVOA. Two wins in a row now, uh, two and three over the last five, and they beat the Eagles last week, thirty-three to twenty-six. Look, this is a clearly a this is just a motivation game for me because I think Kyler is starting to come around for, and, and look, put that shoulder injury behind him at this point in the season. He's starting to look healthy again, and I know you mentioned that earlier uh, last weekend. He's starting to run the ball again. He's throwing the ball better, being more accurate with the football, and. I just I feel like if you got if you got to take a pick here I don't know how you hang your hat on San Francisco because you, they could they could literally just lay the biggest dud and get shut out in this game because what do they have to play for at this point of the season Shanahan has his job next year he's not getting fired you know they have no quarterback they're going to play C.J. Beathard and I I think I mean you could say all you want about Nick Mullins I still feel like Beathard's the worst of those two and I mean San Francisco has no Raheem Mostert. They're going to be rolling. I mean, Jeff Wilson Jr. is going to be playing for the, the Niners in this one. But you said Kittle's supposed to be playing in this matchup? Yeah, they're they're not going to hold him back if he's 100% healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's one of those guys who's an energy guy and a gamer. So if he gets out there, that could be enough of a factor to push them. But I think, I think we're both on the same page that we like Arizona here, especially with Tyler returning to that early MVP uh, season form and their defense also looks frisky and it can have good performances. And San Francisco is certainly not an offense that's going to be. Yeah. The total for Arizona's last five home games has gone over. So if you, if you like an over under pick here, um, I would take the over and Arizona minus five in all likelihood. But, you know, I just, I just don't know what I'm going to see out of San Francisco. I just, I, I don't know what they're going to do. And, you know, you're right. They're a professional team that, you know, they're almost in the same vein as New England, where even if they're out of it, maybe they still keep the motivation in the locker room and they still want to continue to play respectively. But I just it's too unpredictable for me that I'm staying away. Yeah, the, the quarterback situation is very sketchy. And we know that Patrick Peterson is an all world cover guy. So 
you know, they expect there to be a couple of picks from either Beathard or, or is Mullins injured? Is that, or yeah, is he's, he's injured. Playing yeah, well he's enough? injured. Okay. So yeah, but you, once you go down to that third string quarterback and I assume the Debo is still out as well. So this team is really limited yeah. on both sides of the ball and Arizona seems relatively healthy. Um, probably the healthiest they've been at quarterback. So I think they're going to roll. Now, I think that, I think it should be an easy cover of five points. The only question mark for me is where San Francisco has a big advantage is on the coaching. Yeah. Kingsbury might be in the running for a bottom five coach when it, when it comes to not play calling necessarily, but some, some more of the time management and important game aspects of controlling what plays are called when. So yeah. that team can put up points, but they don't always convert in the right situations and don't have the right call for the right situation. Definitely. Yeah, I, I like that. Shanahan's a fantastic coach. Definitely brought this team from the doldrums to the Super Bowl last year. So that that's the case there. If Arizona falls apart, I think it would be. be yeah, I, I agree 100%. All right, let's roll on the next Saturday Saturday matchup. Miami minus three at the Las Vegas Raiders, the over-under point total, 47 and a half. Look, this is going to be my first pick on uh, of the week so far. I'm going to take Miami minus three and the over at 47 and a half. Miami's nine and five on the season. They're 11th in DVOA. Three and two over the last five straight up. They beat New England last week, 22-12. Vegas is seven and seven on the season. They're 22nd in DVOA. One and four over the last five. They lost to the Chargers last week, 27-30. to Look, I, I, Miami is the number one team against the spread this season by two. By two. They're 11-3. and three. And The next best team, they're 11-3. and I'm uh, sorry. Miami is 11-3. The next best team is 9-5. Uh, and five. So Miami clearly just getting undervalued consistently on these, these lines and the spreads that they're getting set at on the season. I mean, 11-3 and three is a significant difference in between the, over, the, uh, the matchups against the spread for them. The, uh, the last five matchups between these two teams, Miami and Las Vegas, or they were the Oakland Raiders for a number of these matchups too, uh, they, the last five matchups have gone over between the Dolphins and the Raiders. And uh, six of the last seven home games for Vegas have gone over. So I, I like the over here, at 47 and a half. That's around, around league average for over under point totals on the season. Uh, I think the league average is 47 and a half to eight to 48. And look, give me Miami minus three and the over at 47 and a half. I think Miami still although they lost the NFC East title to the Buffalo Bills last week, the Bills clinched it with the win over Denver. I think Miami is still motivated, obviously, to try to clinch a playoff spot at, at just uh, nine and five. They haven't quite been able to solidify their spot in the playoffs yet. And uh, Vegas, just cons- they're just downward trending. They're, they're on complete free fall. And I know people want to uh, believe, the Vegas fans want to believe that their team still has a chance to make it into the playoffs, but I don't see it. I don't think that they, uh, they just especially with Derek Carr out. I know Mariota looked good, but after a week of preparation, Miami gets to, they know they're facing Marcus Mariota and you get a week to prepare for Mariota. And we saw what he did in Tennessee and it's not going to be that much better if any in Vegas. And I think Miami minus three is just not a big enough line uh, for me to be, be scared of laying the points. I'm going to take Miami minus three and the over 47 and a half. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think, I think that's a great analysis. And I, I love Miami this week, too. Miami has just been a rock-solid defense all year. Brian, Brian Flores has, has coached up this team extremely well. 
Tua is not turning the ball over and he's starting to move the ball well in that offense. He's definitely getting more accustomed to the speed of the NFL. And we're seeing improvements from him, uh, irregardless of which wide receivers he has available on the field. So maybe he has Devontae Parker back this week. One thing we do know, he should have um, Ahmed and Gaskin. who are, Yeah, Gasicki is practicing too, and Jakeem Grant is practicing. Yeah, so they should have a full um, healthy slate of weapons available uh, at their disposal against the Raiders. And you, know, you mentioned some of the Raiders um, over the past couple of weeks, how they've done. And that discounts the fact that the Jets per- potentially purposely lost a game to them. So the Raiders could have an even wor- worse record uh, to, to, with losses to two of the worst teams in the league. So, yeah, Miami and the Raiders are going in two completely different directions. I'm shocked that this line is so low. So this is easily my best bet of the week. All right, we're on the same page there. All right, let's roll into the next matchup, Sunday games. Our first game on the docket here for Sunday, Atlanta at Kansas City. Uh, the Chiefs obviously the favorite, 10.5 points. The over-under point total at 54, high one there. Um, look, I, I, I'm going to take a pick here. I think Atlanta plus 10.5 is a good value. Look, Atlanta's 4-10 and 10 on the season, but they're, they're better than their record suggests. They're 20th in DVOA, 1-4 straight up over the last five. They lost to Tampa Bay 27-31 to 31 last week, and we said – like we, when we talked about with Tampa Bay, they were ahead pretty good in that one. They came out hot and, they, and the offense looked better without Julio Jones. And I know we like to say that almost every week when Jones is out, but, you know, maybe with enough practice time and enough adjustments, they, uh, the, the Falcons are starting to figure out what their offense can do without Julio in the lineup. Kansas City on the season, the 13 and one, third in DVOA. They have a nine game win streak going on right now. They beat New Orleans last week, 32 to 29. Kansas City, this is why. I, I, I think that I'm pretty confident in my Atlanta plus 10 and a half here. Kansas city hasn't beaten a team by more than six points since the, uh, the New York jets in week eight. So they're not dumb. And, and then I think they beat Denver by more than six, uh, by more than a, a, a dozen points or so the week before that, but they haven't blown a lot of teams out this year. And the only teams that they have blown out are the teams that, I mean, you expect them to the teams that are the, some of the worst in the NFL. And so Kansas city has a tendency to kind of play down to their opponents or, or kind of toy with them. It feels like sometimes it feels like, you know, why aren't they just throwing the ball deep to Tyree kill and taking 25 yard chunk plays with Travis Kelsey, every, every play, because it seems to work whenever the, the chiefs are like the only team that when you, it's like third and 22, you kind of expect them to still get it. You know, you expect them to like Mahomes to extend a play and then Tyreek to sneak, sneak open or Kelsey to sneak open. And then, Mahomes to fit into a tight window on a crazy throw. And, you know, the Chiefs, they're obviously the best team in the NFL at this point. I mean, like we said, I don't know how many great teams there are in the league at this point. And the Chiefs are just one of those those teams you could count on to just consistently, the offense is going to perform it week in and week out for the Chiefs. And I just, I, I think Atlanta is a little bit undervalued with this line because, I mean, you look at some of the, these other spreads on on this week. I mean, we'll go into the next one shortly, but Cleveland's a 10-point favorite against the Jets. And is that difference between the Browns and the Jets less than the, the Falcons and the Chiefs? I don't know about that. You know, I know how the Chiefs are a great team, but the Falcons, the offense, keep, they, they keeps them in games. And I think that, that, that you give me 10 and a half points, especially the extra half point where they could lose by 10 and still cover. I think I like the Falcons plus 10 and a half. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I feel very similarly about this game as well. Um, you know, you make a great point that Kansas City doesn't seem to be blowing teams out very much. I feel like they, in some of those games where they play bad teams, they're like, okay, let's try out some of the other things that our offense doesn't quite yeah. do as well. Let's try to get our running game established. That way, when we do play a I better think, team, I we have Hilaire it available. Is out. I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is out for this game. 
Yeah, and I wouldn't be shocked if Lavell gets a lot more work. He he looked decent in the touchdown last week. But Atlanta, they definitely are a team that their record doesn't quite reflect what it could be. This team is four and ten, but they could easily flip that. Um, if you consider how many times they've blown leads or blown close games uh, at the end of the game. So Atlanta is definitely being, their value is definitely being discounted because of their record, um, despite how well they tend to play and how they can keep games close. And we know that Matt Ryan is essentially the king of garbage team. So I wouldn't be shocked if Atlanta covers. And if I had to lean, I would definitely pick Atlanta. Yeah. That's a good point about garbage time because you could see, I could see the chiefs obviously having like a 14 point lead or something like that. And Matt Ryan coming in with a late touchdown, you know, I think that's a very, a very strong possibility. And also here, I mean, you got a question, Kansas city's motivation. I know obviously they're a great team. And like you said, maybe they just tried different things in this game because Kansas city has all but locked down that one seed now, especially with the Pittsburgh loss last week. And so they can't be like super motivated to come out and just play their best brand of football. They got to be like eyeing the playoffs at this point and, and looking at what's going to get them wins in then next month, you know, what's going to get them wins in the playoffs. And yeah, I think that Atlanta's defense is something that you could try things out on because the defense is one of the worst against the pass, but they also have some decent defensive line play, the Falcons. And so you have an interesting mix there where the chiefs can try um, work working on the running game against a decent running defense, but then they also have the ability if they need to get, like I said, a, a third and 22 play, that's going to be available for them. You know, they're going to have an opportunity mm-hmm. to, you know, stretch the field against the Falcons when they need to in this game. And so, I just, with the Falcons consistently being close in games, I think that Atlanta plus 10 and a half is a decent value. Yeah. And one thing to note is Tyreek missed practice um, on Wednesday due to a tight quad or a hammy. And so hamstring, yeah. That could play into Sunday if, 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 even if it just is, um, even if he's playing, it could be a limiting factor on, you know, that, that break the field type of threat. So uh, it could limit Kansas City's upside a little bit to where, you know, they don't quite have, meet that 10 point 10 point threshold yeah I, I could see that happening too if kansas city starts to get like a 20 point lead or something maybe they take tyreek out maybe they take travis mm. kelsey out of the game and then you get like a right. touchdown or two late in the game from atlanta i think that's a possibility as well yeah once you get to the weeks 15 16 17 some of these teams literally have almost nothing to play for and we'll start to do some some player maintenance and health maintenance as they prepare for either playoffs for some teams or next year for others Definitely. All right. Next matchup, Cleveland Browns at the New York Jets. I know we just talked, I just mentioned this one, the lines Cleveland minus 10, the over under point total 47 and a half Cleveland Browns, 10 and four on the season. They're 19th in DVOA rankings, five and one over the last six. They beat the giants last week, 20 to six. The Jets got their one win of the season last week. They're one in 13, 32. They're dead last in DVOA rankings. Man, that win last week against the Rams shocked me. I mean, I feel so bad for the, the survival pool players. I mean, they were saving the Rams all season for this game. You know, you, yeah, I don't know how anybody could have predicted this game. And and you, you look at how that one played out. It wasn't like a shocking, like, if you, I mean, obviously it was a shocking that in pregame, like you didn't you know what he projected the Jets to beat the Rams. But, you know, the way the game played out, the Jets dominated that one from the start the defensive line for the Jets was consistently pushing back the Rams offensive line and they were winning in the trenches. And you know, that's the Rams weakness. You, you, you pressure Goff, you get him uncomfortable and he's going to make turnovers and he's going to make bad plays. A couple fumbles on the game, I think, and an interception. And, you know, the Jets defense played hard in that game. And I think that, 
while that being said, I, I honestly, I think the Jets got their one win of the season. And now I think this is an opportunity to find some value for the Cleveland Browns here because the Jets might feel like they got their one win. And now that monkey is off their back. The 0-16 threat is off their backs and they don't have to worry about, you know, going winless on the season now. And maybe they kind of relax a little bit. And, you know, that, 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 that narrative in the media that's been going around this week about how they just blew the Trevor Lawrence pick and the one, the first pick overall, basically with the Jaguars now in the, in the, uh, the lead position for that. It's, it's got me thinking that the jets can't be much, can't be super motivated to, you know, finish out the season strong at this point. And I think Cleveland consistently gets a little bit underranked in advanced stats and, and just different money and, and Vegas spreads. I feel like the, the Cleveland Browns at minus 10, this look ahead line was minus 11, I believe. So the, uh, the jets got like a two or three point boost from their win against the Rams. And the, the Browns only got like, I think like a half point or so boost from their win against the giants. I just feel like the, the Browns consistently get spit on because of their reputation. And I, I feel like while I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant to be confident with the Cleveland minus 10 pick, because I think this could be a flat spot for them where they've, they've strung together now, a decent amount of high energy games in recent weeks. Um, but as long as Cleveland shows up energized and, and, re- and their offense is ready to, you know, play the way they have been in recent weeks, I think that the Browns and the over should hit in this game. So I like my pick here would be Cleveland minus 10 and over 47 and a half. Yeah. For me, this is a tough one to predict because Cleveland's strength is certainly the running game. That's the Jets defense strength. We, we saw them shut down Cam Akers who was running you know, almost better than anyone in, in the league going into that game. And the Rams offensive line, as well as the Rams running game was performing as well as any team in the league. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, uh, through most of the season, the Rams were the number one running football team. Yeah, and so to have them completely shut down by this Jets D line has me a, a bit worried about um, Nick Chubb and the offensive line of the Browns. Now, if Bre- Baker is able to get the ball out quick and maybe some screen passes, that can neutralize that. So if I were to go to some Browns offensive players, I think that um, Green Punt could have a decent game, exactly. maybe Austin, Austin Hooper. Um, so some of those shorter passes where it will neutralize the defensive line from the Jets. I yeah. think that Cleveland has shown that they can clearly score a lot of points in, in, if you go to that Ravens game just a couple of weeks ago. But I'm not sure that the Jets will necessarily push this line too much. Uh, for me, this is I just don't have a good read. It's a complete stay away. I don't blame you for that. You know, I like your Cream Hunt thing because that was going to be part of my DFS part uh, of, the, of the podcast. And I think Cream Hunt is in store for a good game in this game, uh, in this matchup, because the Jets allow the fourth most reception on – have allowed the the fourth most receptions on the season to opposing running backs. I think Kareem Hunt gets involved in the passing game in this matchup. And um, I like his opportunity for a good game. Nick Chubb, like you said, I mean, he's Nick Chubb. He's going to get his yards. He's going to get his carries, but you're right. I think in terms of how you gauge Nick Chubb on average, I think you got to knock him a little bit in value for this week. Cause I, 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 it's crazy to think that the jets might not be a good matchup for a running back, but that seems to be the case here for Nick Chubb. All right, let's roll into the next one. This is a good game. And we got Indianapolis at Pittsburgh. The Colts are the favorite by one and a half points. The over-under point total, 44 and a half. This is a good matchup because, look, we got two teams rolling in different directions. The Colts have been roll, uh, doing really well. They're 10 and 3 on the season, 8th in DBOA. They have a three-game win streak. They've won five of their last six. And they beat Houston 27 to 20 last week. Pittsburgh, 
We all know about their recent struggles. They're 11, 11 and three on the season. They're still fifth in DVOA rankings. They're in the midst of a three game losing streak and they lost an embarrassing loss to Cincinnati last week, 17, 27. We got, this is the story of teams just come going to completely different trends. And so that's why I, I lean at Indianapolis minus one and a half, because Look, people want to praise Big Ben early in the season for getting rid of the ball so fast and avoiding the pass rush. I mean, I think, I think he's still averaging like a 2.2 release time on, on drop back passes. And so that only works when your receivers are getting open in the beginning of the routes and, and your quarterback is accurate with his throws and the receivers are catching the ball. But none of that's the case with Pittsburgh. And you already mentioned Pittsburgh can't run the ball lately. It was the, the, the way they ran the ball against Cincinnati last week was embarrassing. Embarrassing. They, how many, I can't, I don't know the specific stats in it, but I can tell you they're not good on thirds and third and fourth downs. Whenever since uh, Pittsburgh was trying to run the ball against Cincinnati, they couldn't get positive yardage. Benny Snell was awful. And I don't think James Conner is playing this game, is he? Do you know? Um, I, I don't believe so either. So, look, if Benny Snell... He had 18 yards the game before, and then they held him out last week. So, I think that it yeah. might just be a thing where they want to get James Conner ready for the playoffs and hold him out. Yeah. And we'll need to get him right if they if they want to have a chance. Yeah, this running game for Pittsburgh and I mean the passing game lately has just been horrendous. And Pittsburgh over the last Big Ben over the last four games, uh, sorry, three of his worst four completion percentage games in the season have come in weeks 15, 14, and 13. And those are the three losses on the season. And he had in week 13, 62.2% completion percentage in week 14, 56.76 against Buffalo. And then week 15 last week against Cincinnati, he had a season low of 52.63 completion percentage. That's horrendous. That's like, that's below league average 52.63. And if you're going to get rid of the ball as fast as big Ben gets rid of the ball, you can't have that. And that's not going to be a formula for success. And so Pittsburgh, the only thing is, with to be wary about Indianapolis in this game is Pittsburgh has a coaching staff that you have to believe that Mike Tomlin is working his ass off to try to get Pittsburgh right before the, the end of the season to try to get them some momentum going into the playoffs. And this would be the game that if Pittsburgh beats Indianapolis, they could finally say, you know, maybe we're turning a corner, maybe we're getting ready for the playoffs and maybe we'll be a threat um, to, to the chiefs and, and the rest of the AFC uh, when we get, when we get to January and February, but you know, I just I can't I can't work up any optimism for the Steelers in this game because I think the Colts are just treading in such a positive direction, and Phil Rivers is is throwing the ball well. I mean, old Phil Rivers and his his this is his I think this has got to be his last season, and you know he's at the twilight of his career, he's trying to finish out strong, and he there can't be a more more motivated player to you know play as well as as he can, and I think the Colts here. If, I mean, I'm leaning the Colts minus one and a half. I wouldn't be putting too much money on it because, like I said, Pittsburgh with the three losses makes them dangerous. You know, they got to be they got, they can't be more motivated than they have been. Over this has got to be their biggest motivation game of the season, and they need a win. And we'll see what happens in this matchup. But you know, if I had to pick Indianapolis minus one and a half, what are your thoughts? I think teams are definitely getting wise to the short passing game, and that's why we're seeing Ben's um, percentage decrease week after week. If I recall the Cincinnati game last week, um, you know, numerous times there were screen passes to Juju or Deontay Johnson four or five yards down the field. And the defenders are just selling out. They're absolutely attacking these passes. And sometimes they're even getting there before the ball does and they're breaking up the passes. And that's that's ridiculous if you consider a screen pass. There's really not much separation for these wide receivers. There's a lot of press coverage and press defense being played. 
and these guys are not exposing other teams down the field. And that's the only way they're going to open up the screen game is either get the run game going or get the long pass game going. But there's no play action pass happening right now because there's no run game. And therefore, the teams are keying in on the short passing game. It's so problem after in problem. A really, they keep stacking. It's a circular issue for them. And really, at the heart of it, they need to get the run game going. That'll open up the play action pass. And that will open up the screen game. But well, the thing is with the is running game, too, is they're falling behind early in these games. And how can you mm-hmm. run the ball when you have a 10-point deficit? You know, you how, right. how do you justify running the ball when you're down by 10 points from the start? And that seems to just be the, the MO with the Steelers over recent weeks. I mean, last week it culminated in their worst offensive performance of the season, negative 17.2 expected points added uh, last week. Just a brutal performance for them. They haven't had a 100-yard rushing game in, over the, in the last nine games. They have one. Right. Sorry. They have one rushing – 100-yard rushing game in the last nine. They had 106 against the Jaguars, so not necessarily one you want to hang your hat on there. And they have nine turnovers over the last five games, three last week. Just really, it's been a tale of two seasons. The first five games, they were over 100 rushing yards every game, and that's when they were just dominating teams. Yeah. I, I have to lean India like you are right now because that's what the trends are telling me. The run game's not going. Indy's got a good yeah. run D. I don't see how anything opens up for Pittsburgh on offense. And Jonathan Taylor's out yeah i mean you really it's it's a matter of whether or not you trust your stats with stats with this one because all the stats point towards indianapolis and indianapolis minus one and a half being a great value but you know you just gotta you gotta take into consideration the threat of you know this is a beaten down dog this is like a dog that you've the steelers are like a dog you haven't fed in in three weeks you know they haven't been you haven't given them you haven't given them any food in three weeks and you know there can't be a more hungry team in the nfl right now and so that's what has me uh, cautious with with the Indianapolis pick, but you know I I can't justify a Steelers a Steelers pick in this one because it's really if they win this game it's not expected it's not that it's not what the numbers are telling us and what's going to happen and so if you trust your numbers you trust your evaluations you pick the Colts here. All right, let's roll into the next matchup. The Chicago Bears minus seven and a half against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The over under point total forty seven. Chicago won the season. They're seven and seven. They're 15th in DVOA. They strung now two wins in a row after their six-game losing streak. Before that, they beat Minnesota last week, 33-27. to Jacksonville, they're 1-13 on the season, 31st in DVOA, ahead of just the New York Jets. They lost last week in a blowout loss, 14-40 to against Baltimore. The Jags can smell that first pick. They can smell it. They, it's, it's in their grasp. And, you know, the players don't care about that, but, you know, the coaches do. Doug Marone has to be on the hot seat. His job next season has to be in question. But, you know, just like Adam Gase is with the Jets, Marone's one of their, big, their best assets right now because he's getting them losses. And I don't – look, players are never going to tank in an NFL game. There's never, there's never a player that's going to be like, I want to lose this game. I don't want to play well. But, you know, what the coaches do is – Look, it's better for their franchise that they lose the rest of the games and they get the first pick and they bring in Trevor Lawrence. But that's why I expect the Jags to take a lot of risks in this game. I think that they're going to take a lot of risks, go for it on like fourth and 10 or a midfield or something or take shots downfield and, and, you know, just take risky plays. And I think that some of those are they're going to get burned on. And there's a possibility that the Jaguars, you know, are able to execute on some of those, you know, have like the 40-yard bombs or something. And uh, I do like Gardner Minshew. I know he's not necessarily, you know, someone that anybody's get gets up excited about, but the stash is someone that I, I was just kind of had a guilty pleasure for. And um, 
really here it's it, for me i gotta take chicago minus seven and a half though because i think like i said jacksonville can't be motivated to win any more football games because especially after the jets lost last week they just they want that first pick and we talked about this last week chicago was one of our best bets because this chicago offense continues to improve week in and week out over the last few weeks i think that's four weeks in a row where they continually just got have gotten better and better and i think it culminated in their best offensive performance of the season last week chicago's four and two against the spread in their last six games against the jaguars montgomery has been historically awesome he's had the best running back stretch for the bears since walter payton I mean, one of the best fantasy football stretch stretches that we've seen in recent years. Um, I like Al Robinson. I like David Montgomery. I like Mitchell Trubisky in this game. I think this is a good game for Chicago's offense. I'll take Chicago minus seven and a half and the over 47. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I see this game exactly the way you do. I think that Chicago is rolling. Uh, the Jaguars are very excited at the possibility of losing. And I think that um, when you have both storylines pointing to the same outcome, you'd be crazy to veer from that as well. Um, David Montgomery has been a world beater. and Allen Robinson is, has just been a top five wide receiver by all respects this year as well. So yeah, give me Chicago and give me Mitch. Give all the Trubisky truthers, man. They, they seem to be on the right train. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know. And I heard this on a podcast I listened to. I, I mean, I feel like I talk about them every week, but I, 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 uh, I love listening to RJ Bell on the dream preview podcast. And he talked about how, well, he, he relies actually some on pro football focus. And I know we're not necessarily fans of PFF and it, it has me super confused that PFF during this recent stretch of, of success for the Chicago offense, they're continually ranking Trubisky low in the PFF rankings. And I just, look, I don't know. I'm, I, I, look, PFF knows their stuff where they, they evaluate every play and they know like the, they get the football part of, of, of the NFL. Like they really are able to like, it's almost like a coaching style of, of scouting and they're co- They're like, they're scouts for these teams, but mm-hmm. I don't think that their evaluations necessarily play well for fantasy football or betting. Because I, I, what I'm seeing is I saw Mitchell Trubisky. I think he opened that game last week, 11 for 11 on completions. And you could say what you want about his talent. He's not just he's never going to be the most talented quarterback on the field or the most talented quarterback in the league. But I just, I, I feel like that Chicago's offense can't their their success over recent weeks can't be denied. And that's why I like Chicago minus seven and a half. And I like the over here because, like I said, Jacksonville could be taking some risks in this one. So they get down big and that's when they start, you know, taking the bombs down the, the, the shots downfield and starting to score. They might get like a garbage touchdown or two. And I, I like the over 47. It also feels like DJ Chark is due for a big game. You know, he, every couple of weeks we see a 90 for two touchdowns with DJ Chark. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if it happens here. But yeah, I like Chicago. Okay. Next matchup, New York Giants at the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens, 10 and a half point favorites. The over-under, the over-under line at 44 points. New York on the season, they're five and nine, 27th in DVOA. They've got two losses in a row now, Arizona and Cleveland. They're four and two over the last six. So they had a four game win streak before that. They lost to Cleveland last week, six to 20. Baltimore, nine and five on the season, 10th in DVOA, three and three. Over their last six, they beat Jacksonville 40 to 14 last week. An impressive win. One that, I mean, I know we wanted to think that Jacksonville could cover that big spread against Baltimore last week, but Baltimore has a reputation. Like, like I, I warned um, listeners about last week, Baltimore has a reputation for blowing away the bad teams and, and just making statement wins against bad teams. And that was one of them last week. And, you know, the question here is, are the Giants a bad team? So what are your thoughts on your New York Giants here? The Giants are a bad offense and a good defense. 
And so this is, it's difficult to say with a 10 point line, 10 and a half point line, exactly what way this will go because the Giants defense has consistently shut teams down to a reasonable level, keeping opponents between 17 to 24 points in most weeks. But their offense is absolutely putrid, and it's difficult for them to get into double digits. Yeah. Um, part of the handicap last week was that Freddie Kitchens was going to be the offensive coordinator for the Giants, and we just knew that wasn't going to go well with Jason Garrett sidelined with COVID. And I'm not sure that the Giants offense can do enough to cover the 10-point spread. I'm not sure. Is Daniel Jones playing? It seems yeah, like he's statistically as well. Yeah, I think, um, if, I think if we've got another Cole McCoy play playing, game. I just really don't see how the Giants can move the ball enough um, in, in terms of big plays. And Lamar and the Ravens seem to be a bit healthier now. Mark Andrews is back. Hollywood's back. And those wide receivers um, looked good last game. So I think that even if it's a game where the Giants defense plays well, the Ravens can still cover this point total, or not cover the point total, cover the spread, um, just because the Giants' offense is so putrid. So I wouldn't be shocked if the game was something like 20, 24 to 7. Um, yeah. And so both things can be true where the Giants' defense plays well and the Giants' offense plays poorly. Yeah. Daniel Jones actually is going to play this game, it looks like. I think that, that news came out today that he's looking like he's trending in the right direction to play in this. But, but you know, I don't even know if that's an upgrade because if he's hindered with the uh, the hamstring and the ankle injuries, that's never good yeah, because he, he relies heavily on his legs. Game before. Yeah. yeah, so that's so always it a possibility might be a too. Stay away, but I'd probably lean the Ravens. If I had to lean here, I'd take the Giants because for these two reasons, the, the total on the Giants last five games have gone under. So I would I would lean the under 44, even though it's a low point total. I still lean I'd take the under there. And the Giants are nine and one against the spread in their last 10 road games. So that's a, that's a significant trend as well. They're covering on the road uh, as underdogs for most of those, I'm sure. And uh, if I had to lean one way or the other, I would just take the points. I think there's a value with a 10 and a half point spread. And um, the Giants defense, I think when, when you have a big spread and you have the underdog with a good defense like the Giants do, I think there's a, a reasonably decent value with the, just taking the points and the defense, keeping it close. But, you know, like you like you said, I, I'm staying away in this game. Yeah, I'm, I'm the pessimistic Giants fan. And I started to believe about two weeks ago. Well, I don't know how it could have been once. And all of a sudden I got, a, you know, right back down the poop hole. You know, it's not good. <laughs> it's, the Giants are bad. We're going to lose. We're going to lose by a lot. That's my mindset. So take that with a grain of salt, my opinions on this game. Well, talking about poop holes, we got a string of shitty games coming up here. We got, well, let's, let's, let's flow through these ones really quick. We got Cincinnati, <laughs> Cincinnati oh, at Houston. This is a shitty game, man. Houston minus eight. 46 point over under total Cincinnati three, 10 and one on the season, 29th in DVOA beat Pittsburgh last week, 27 to 17 last week to snap their five game losing streak. First since the first win against uh, any team since losing Joe Burrow, Houston four and 10 on the season, 23rd in DVOA lost to Indianapolis 20 to 27 last week. Look, Cincinnati, just like the, uh, the jets were, um, they, my handicap with them, they got their, they got their win on the season. You know, they got, I know they're, they have three, uh, but this was their one win that they got since losing Joe Burrow. And, you know, I think that with the win last week, maybe they just take a, a relaxing game here and maybe they just lay an egg to the Houston Texans here. That's my, that's my handicap because if I have to lean one way or the other, I'm taking the Texans because I think the offense can score points. Um, and I don't think Cincinnati is going to be able to have it. I don't see that offense repeating its performance even regardless of, you know, Houston's defense isn't anything to be scared of, but I just, I don't, I don't see Cincinnati's offense being able to continue that. 
Yeah, Deshaun Watson is clearly the best player on the field this weekend with all the injuries to, um, you know, Cincinnati's team. And, and even with uh, with Will Fuller being out, Brandon Cooks and Kiki QT have stepped up in the meantime. So I think that the Texans can score some points. Um, I think David Johnson is, is back, so they might get a little bit of a boost in the running game. And Cincinnati, they're starting Finley again and Gio Bernard. It, it was a, kind of a fluky game last week against the Steelers and the Steelers were just, they're just a really tired and beaten down team. So it's really not all that surprising that Cincinnati played well. Uh, It's shocking that they won, but I don't see any repeat happening this week. Uh, The minus eight line is kind of scary though. So probably stay away from me, but I would lean Houston. I think Houston wins. I would not be shocked if they didn't cover though. Because that team at times can struggle to move the ball. Yeah. Houston's a team this week that I would highlight for a teaser. I think that you're right. The minus eight gets me a little, a little scared, but you know, I don't, I don't expect them. I don't expect Cincinnati to win two in a row, especially without Joe Burrow. And um, I think that if you, if you take Houston, you might want to tease them down to minus two or so. And I, and I think that's a good, a good value for you. Mm-hmm. All right. Next game, Denver at the chargers, uh, Denver at the LA chargers in uh, SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. The over-under point total 49. Another lousy game here. I mean, just two teams out of it. Complete, I don't know I don't know how either team has any sort of motivation besides this being a divisional matchup. Uh, they're, both, they're both five and nine on the season. Denver's 30th in DVOA, two and three in their last five. Got They got blown out against Buffalo last week. I, I wanted to be optimistic for Denver last week, and I got, you know, egg on my face with that one. Buffalo just being incredibly hot. Um, and we'll talk about them in their in the Monday night matchup, but um, Buffalo made a statement blowout win against Denver last week. The LA chargers are five and nine the season, 28th in DBOA, three and two over the last five. They beat Vegas last week, 30 to 27. Look, my, my handicap here is take the under the under has hit in each of the last five games between these two teams in Denver. I'm um, um, sorry. These two teams between Denver and the chargers, I'm, I'm going to take uh, the under 49 points. I don't think either team's going to show up really, really well in this game, you know, I, I, and I think Denver's defense is going to stifle uh, the LA chargers offense just a little bit, you know, I, I know Herbert's an exciting player, uh, but if Keenan Allen's still banged up, which I, I by all accounts, I think, I think he's still not hundred uh, percent chargers. You could see it last week that they were missing Keenan Allen and they got lucky to kind of squeeze that game out from the, from the Raiders. And I think that was more the Raiders just being a really bad team and a really bad team on, on defenses specifically. I think Denver's defense is going to be a little bit better this week than, than Vegas was last week. So um, give me the, the under 49, but I don't really have a pick either way here. I don't, I don't, I don't know how you could work up a, a good case for either Denver or chargers in this game. Yeah, I don't love picking either side in this game, but I would love to highlight uh, the players and that being, you know, Herbert's still playing for the rookie of the year, so there's some motivation there. And then a guy okay. who um, all season has kind of shown flashes, um, especially early on, but has dealt with injury was Noah Fan, and he really looked awesome last week. Targeted heavily, uh, and with all the injuries to the middle of the Chargers defense, I think Noah Fan could have a big game. Um, yeah, talking about these two teams, it's not like I like either of these teams as a whole. You have Drew Locke and then a bunch of scrubs. Jerry Judy's really not touching the ball enough. The Chargers are dealing with injury to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, and you know both guys are questionable, and, and neither clearly looked fully healthy last week. It's going to be not a pretty game, and you know I don't even know why I'm still talking about it. 
Exactly. All right, let's go on to the next matchup. Carolina at Washington. The Washington football team is the favorite in this one, minus two and a half. The over-under point total, 43 and a half. Look, the Carolina Panthers are an intriguing team this season because the win and loss record is just four and 10, and but they're 17th in DVOA. So they consistently get ranked high in advanced stat metrics. Um, they have just one win over their last nine, and that one win was against Detroit. So really just – you haven't seen much great football of the Carolina Panthers, at least from a win-loss perspective. And they lost last week to Green Bay, 16 to 24. For Washington, they're six and eight, 16, uh, 16th in DVOA rankings, so just one ahead of Carolina in those. Uh, four and one over the last five. They uh, had a four-game win streak uh, until Seattle snapped it last week. Uh, 15, to, they lost 15 to 20. The Washington Football Team did. And Look, another lousy game here, and if anything, if I have to lean one way or the other, I guess I'd lean Washington because I think that, I mean, they're, they they got to be the more motivated team. There's no Christian McCaffrey for the Carolina Panthers. He's doubtful for this game again. Washington's defense probably keeps this low scoring. I know Carolina's offense is what's been what their 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 best aspect of their team has been this season, but. I just think Washington, they're leading the NFC East and they got to they got to win some more games to, you know, clinch that playoff spot and Dallas and the Giants um, and even the Eagles with Jalen Hurts is re, uh, emergence as a, a, one of the better quarterbacks in that division. Look, Washington, they have the, these opponents breathing down their backs and they got to be the more motivated team in this one. And so a two and a half point spread is not a lot. So if I lean one way or the other, I'll take Washington. But, you know. I don't really, this is like, like I said, this is a lousy game. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I feel pretty good about Washington. I think Logan Thomas has been a revelation recently, um, you know, over a hundred yards last week and um, a couple touchdowns previous to that. So they have playmakers and ability, you know, Terry McLaurin, of course, and JD McKissick's going to get a lot of touches out of the backfield. So I think Washington can do okay moving the ball against Carolina defense, which is extremely porous. Bridgewater should move the ball a little bit as well, but Washington's defense has been one of the one of the best in the league, and Chase Young, one of the brightest young stars. So, yeah. I think the game should be pretty close to the over under total because there are some playmakers that can kind of you know break a long play here or there, which could inflate the score. Even though these are some really good defenses, but I think for the majority of the game, it could be quite boring in the middle, um, a lot of four and outs and things of that nature. So. I mean, mm-hmm. Washington, they have more to play for. And I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah. They're, they can make the playoffs. So that's, that's what it is. Yeah. I have, I have a personal rule. I'll never put, I'll put, I'll never put money on a team that is going to put Dwayne Haskins as their starting quarterback. It's just a personal thing. You know, I just, I was never going to do it. I just, I, I'm not going to throw away money like that. And so while I lean Washington, I wouldn't recommend betting it because, you know, Dwayne Haskins is Dwayne Haskins. He, that's the story about him at the strip club after the game. Uh, after the loss last week, I mean, you know, this guy's just unprofessional, and I don't know how I don't know how that affects the, the locker room. I mean, I hear that he's taking first team reps again this week, but Alex Smith is still working on the side with the starting receivers like Terry McLaurin and such. So, I, I I would if I would be much more optimistic for Washington if Alex Smith Alex Smith was playing this one, but you know, I, I like I said, I can't bet I can't bet Haskins. I can't do it. Yeah, I agree. All right, next game. This is a, actually a surprisingly decent game, and it didn't look like it was going to be trending this way a few weeks ago. But Philadelphia at Dallas, the Eagles are the favorites, laying two and a half points. The over/under point total forty-nine and a half. The Eagles, they're four nine and one on the season, twenty-sixth in DVOA, one and five over their last six. They lost to the Arizona Cardinals last week, twenty-six to thirty-three. The Dallas Cowboys, five and nine on the season, twenty-fourth in DVOA rankings. 
three and two over the last five games. They beat San Francisco 41 to 33 last week. Uh, my thoughts here are, look, Jalen Hurts is exciting and he, he's an exciting quarterback. And so while I still don't have any confidence in his ability to throw the ball, I think he's an average thrower at best. Uh, you know, he could be a guy that we look back on as in a, in a couple of years as what is we could question ourselves. Like, why were we so hesitant to, you know, embrace Jalen hurts because he looks like a guy that could be poised for, I mean, the mental makeup is what has me really optimistic for him because he's a gamer and he was that way at Alabama. He was what he was that way at Oklahoma. And he's just been looking for the opportunity consistently throughout his career since college. And, you know, he got the opportunity with the Eagles and it looks like Carson Wentz has got to be on his way out because I don't see how you go from anybody. I don't see how you go away from Jalen hurts at any point um, in the near future for the Eagles. And so, that's my that's my thoughts with the Eagles. I think the offense is they got to get Miles Sanders more involved, and that was kind of their their knock last week against Arizona when they fell behind and they couldn't get Miles Sanders the ball in the second half. I think he had like fifteen or so touches in the first half, and then like three or so or like less than five in the second half. And that can't be the case because Miles Sanders is the Eagles' best player, and he needs to be involved heavily on, on in their offense if they're going to win. And I think that they got to really refocus on Miles Sanders and get him the ball and get him more touches in this game against Dallas. Dallas, dude, for Dallas, look, Ezekiel Elliott, sit the game out, bro. Just like, just take a rest, take a knee. You know, you're you're good. You know, just you did you did your job over the last three seasons with Dallas. You know, you you were a good running back, but look, Tony Pollard's better. Tony Pollard is the more explosive player than Ezekiel Elliott, and it looks like, unfortunately, Elliott's going to be playing in this one. Mike McCarthy said he's optimistic about his chances with the, he has got a calf bruise, I believe, but look, Tony Pollard is the better running back. He had a 40 yard. He's one of three players on the season with a 40 yard plus touchdown um, on the season. I think the other two are maybe Nick Chubb and I think Miles Sanders, David Montgomery. David Montgomery. I think it's, I think it's Miles Sanders and David Montgomery and uh, Tony Pollard just like, he looked great last yeah, Nick week. Nick Chubb ran out of bounds at the one. Yeah, remember? that's right. Yeah. <laughs> he would have had one. Yeah. So you're so, right on point there. <laughs> So look with Dallas, they're just, I mean, you can't, you can't look back at this matchup between Philadelphia and Dallas and take too much away from their earlier season matchup. They had the Ben Denucci game for Dallas and, and Carson Wentz was still the quarterback. So these two teams are very different from the ones that they saw earlier in the season. And so if anything, I actually, I lean the over 49 and a half. I think these offenses both play well. And I think we're going to see a lot of points in this matchup. And so I don't really have a pick either way because I think it, it, there's a lot of X factor and a lot of question marks around Dallas's offense going into this game, especially, like I said, with Ezekiel Elliott uh, questionable, possibly sit out. And I think it's better for Dallas's offense if he does sit out, honestly, which is crazy because, I, I mean, I feel like a, it's, it's, it's like taboo to talk talk negative about Zika Elliott, but you know, you got to at this point in the season, he's just, he's not impressive whenever he's suiting up, he just doesn't look good. And, you know, I don't know if it's an injury thing or if it's a schematic thing, or if it's a condition thing, I he looks out of shape and he gets wheezy. Oh, after clearly faster and totally. definitely more versatile of a player coming out of the backfield. He can catch the ball way better than Zika Elliott does. So he just yeah. opens up so many more avenues for this team. And yeah. Andy Dalton loves the check down. He always loved to check it down in Cincinnati. And so that definitely fits college skills more so i actually agree with you yeah the cowboys might be better off without elliot mm-hmm. all right well if anything like i said i take the over 49 and a half 
I like that too. That you know, Dallas is a professional football team in terms of an offensive standpoint with uh, Andy Dalton at quarterback. He can get the ball to the playmakers, and you know they're going to put up some points. Philadelphia's defense is nothing to be worried about, and then Dallas's defense is historically bad. So I think Jalen Hurts, another great DFS week for him. Another great uh, cool performance from him. And I think Philadelphia is going to be able to put up some points as well. So I love the over. And I actually feel pretty good about Philadelphia in this one. I think Dallas can keep it close in the two and a half point line. Seems seems fair. But I think that Jalen Hurts can really get him over the schneid uh, after beating the Saints and playing close against the Cardinals. Uh, I like him to be able to score enough to where they can outpace Dallas. Okay. If I had to lean one way or the other, I would agree with you. Um, all right, next game. This is a good one. NFC West battle. This is really, it feels like it's for the division, and it really is. I mean, the Rams at the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks favored by one point. The over-under point total, 47 and a half. The, the look-ahead line made this game super curious for me because the look-ahead line, I think, was Seattle minus one and a half. And so there's really only been a, a half-point adjustment after the Rams lost last week. It was super embarrassing for them. Um, the, the Rams on the season, though, nine and five. They're sixth in DVOA rankings, four and two over their last six games. Like I said, an embarrassing loss last week to the New York Jets, 20 to 23. The Seahawks, they're 10 and four on the season. They're game up on the Rams in the division. They're ninth in DVOA. They're four and one over their last five. They beat Washington last week, 20 to 15. So if the Rams win this game, I, I'm pretty certain they, they own the tiebreaker against Seattle. So if they win this game, the Rams will be in the lead for the division. So this is a big game. The, uh, the Rams are five and one straight up over the last six games in this matchup between the Seahawks and, and the Rams. The total has gone under in nine of the last 11 games for the Rams this season. The total has gone under for each of Seattle's last five games. And so that's why I, if I lean one way or the other, I'm picking Seattle minus one and the under 47 and a half Seattle's six and one straight up over the last seven home games. I think Seattle is going to clinch the division with this game. With this game, I just I, I hate what I I saw out of the Rams' offense last week. I think the Jets gave opposing defenses a formula for success, just showing what you got to do against that Rams' offensive line to make Jared Goff uncomfortable. And I think the the Seattle Seahawks picked that up and really capitalize on what the Rams were weak uh, at last week, as well as uh, what I think they'll be weak at this week and no cam makers for the Rams. He'll be out. I just don't like that. I just don't think that uh, Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown as are as talented. And I know that they're, they've been a good run team this year. I just don't think that the, the Seahawks are going to be able to, uh, I don't think the Rams are going to be able to move the ball well enough against the Seahawks to keep up with their offense. I think Seattle's offense has a good game in this one. Um, Seattle minus one and the under is my pick. Any thoughts? Yeah, this is a really tough game to call. Two fantastic teams, divisional game. I lean Seattle as well. I think Russell Wilson's um, much more trustworthy than Jared Goff. So if I had to pick in a game, which is essentially a toss-up for the home team, uh, give me give me Russell Wilson and let me take Seattle here. Yeah, I just – that loss last week for the Rams just shocked me. Shocking. It, it was definitely spooky. You know, when, we, when we saw the Raiders go essentially down to the Jets, we were like, okay, now we can declare this a bad team. And then the Raiders showed it the next week. They're definitely a bad team. Yeah. Well, is that the case with the Rams? I don't think so, but they're definitely vulnerable and they're definitely um, not as good as we thought they were. Well, they were clearly looking ahead to this game against Seattle. They were clearly just overlooking the Jets and looking to this game. And so while it's possible that the Rams get undervalued, in this, I just, I just, 
you know, that's a gut, that's a gut punch loss against the Jets. That's just, that's embarrassing. And we'll see if there's a fire still with the Rams, but you know, if, if I'm forced to pick one way or the other, I'll take Seattle. All right. Next matchup, next matchup, Sunday night football, Tennessee at green Bay, the Packers are the favorites laying three and a half points. The over under point total 55 and a half Tennessee on the season, 10 and four or 12th in DVOA. The four and one over the last five games, they beat Detroit last week, 46 to 25 green Bay. They're 11 and three on the season. They're uh, solidifying that one seed in the NFC, especially if they win this game, they're fourth in DVOA rankings. They've got a four game win streak going on right now. They beat Carolina 24 to 16 last week. Uh, it, my thoughts here are, look, my pick is green Bay minus three and a half. And I lean on the over 55 and a half. And I know it's a high over under point total, but these two offenses, two of the best in the league. And these two defense are two of the worst in the league. Yeah. Uh, Green Bay. I mean, both these teams really, uh, the defenses seems to be whether or not the the indicator of whether or not they're going to be a successful team in the playoffs. I think both these teams, teams, their, their defense seems to be their Achilles heel. And I think while Tennessee seems to be a little bit overvalued in the public's eye, because their offense has just been so great. People all love it. They, they love the Derrick Henry's narrative and they love that. I think he's fourth in the MVP voting right now, or he's fourth in the MVP odds, which is very high for running back. Obviously people want to root for the Tennessee Titans because that offense is so exciting. But while on the other end, you know, the green Bay offense is actually ranked better than Tennessee's and the public gets tired of green Bay. They're tired of, you know, it's it, every year. The green Bay deep offense is just really great. Aaron Rodgers is really great. And people are just kind of tired of, of, you know, rooting for Green Bay and, and hoping that they get that second Super Bowl victory. And I just I think that in the public's eye, that Green, Green Bay minus three and a half is not a high enough spread for me. I think this, this line should be like Green Bay minus five to minus five and a half. Um, and I think that Rodgers is one of those guys that he, he takes seriously the accolades. He takes he takes the accolades and the history, historic perspective into consideration. And he has an MVP in his grasp. This is the kind of game that if Rodgers has 300 plus yards and four, three to four touchdowns, look, he's going to solidify that MVP vote. He's going to turn a lot of voters against Mahomes, and he's going to he's going to he's got that MVP in his grasp. And I think I expect him to just go bananas against Tennessee in this game. And the uh, five of the last six games for Tennessee have gone over. So the defense, like I said, has been playing really bad for Tennessee, and the offense has been playing really well. And Green Bay is my pick here. Minus three and a half. I lean over 55 and a half. Yeah. I, I love the over in this game. There's just so much offense ball. And this season, both defenses have shown absolutely no ability to stop any other opponent. So it's just going to be a ton of points in this awesome Sunday night football game. I'm really glad that this is the Sunday night football game after yeah. looking at the rest of the stinkers on the Sunday schedule. It should be a lot of fun. I probably wouldn't bet um, I guess spread on either of these teams. I, but I, I would take the over. So that that's definitely I, I lean Green Bay just because I think they're a more complete team. And, uh, I definitely trust Aaron Rodgers. But the Tennessee with the ability to score seventy yard touchdown from Henry or Brown at any point. It's just too scary for me just to completely trust one side uh, here. But the, the points are something that we know is going to come. Yeah, I want to look up big plays allowed 
in the NFL. I want to see if Green Bay has allowed that many explosive plays because I, I think you're right. The, the threat of those big plays has to be something Ford to consider. Davis too should be someone who's mentioned. He's been totally. fantastic this season and, totally. and another big play threat. Yeah. So Green Bay on the year, they are. Hmm. Okay. So Green Green Bay does they're run league average for for big plays allowed, but you know I just I've I, you're right I, I the Tampa the the Tennessee ability to you know stretch the field with Derrick Henry and AJ Brown and Corey Davis is is a threat and I think that uh, that has to be taken into consideration. But you know I, I just feel like I'm confident in Aaron Rodgers and I want to bet Aaron Rodgers here, so I'm going to lean Green Bay minus three and a half. All right, next. This is going to be the last matchup of the of the week. Monday Night Football, Buffalo at New England. In New England, I don't know if the, is it, is New England's weather looking uh, cloudy or, or snowy over the, or, over the recent week. Uh, you're you're out there. Is it cold? It's been freaking cold lately. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I was up in Maine though, so that that's gonna you know uh, double down on on the cold temperatures. Um, okay. But yeah, Buffalo and New England are both teams who are used to playing in the cold, so I'm yeah. not sure if it has too much of an impact unless we see just an absolute snowstorm. Yeah. So Buffalo's the favorite, obviously minus seven. One of the hottest teams in the NFL. Buffalo's eleven and three on the season, seventh in DVOA. They got a four game win streak going on right now. They beat Denver last weekend. And, an impressive 48 to 19 showing against the Broncos, possibly, like I said, the hottest team in the NFL, New England, six and eight on the season, 21st in DVOA, two and three over the last five lost to Miami last week, 12 to 22 to officially eliminate the New England Patriots from the playoffs for the first time since 2008, an impressive run for the New England Patriots, 11 straight playoff runs for the Pats. And as a, as a Pats fan myself, you know, you can't be too sad about it. You know, be happy for what what you had in New England. You had you had one of the you had probably the greatest run in professional sports of success. And the Patriots now officially out of it, out of the race this season. And I mean, obviously, you thought the year none of you none, none of the Pats fans were optimistic about their chances after the first. You know, I mean, the first four weeks were somewhat impressive for them. But then you you know, there's this, there's the Patriots have been average at best below average at most of the time this season and especially over recent weeks and with buffalo being probably the hottest team in the nfl they're five and zero against the spread in the last five games seven and one straight up in the last eight and new england's last five games have each gone under on their point totals look i, I lean buffalo minus seven and and I think that I'm pretty confident in that pick my Buffalo minus seven, because New England is not a team that I expect to lose a lot of motivation because of the playoff elimination. And Bill Belichick said that, I mean, it doesn't really change his game plan much now that he's out of the, out of the playoffs, but you know, he's got to say that he's Bill Belichick and the players in the locker room feel it. You know, Cam Newton had the post about how there's a lot of things wrong with the team and the answers are inside that locker room. I don't see it. I don't see that. They're just not talented enough. They 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 just don't have enough weapons on offense. The defense has been injured and banged up all year. I think Stephon Gilmore's out for this game again. And if I have to pick here, I'm gonna take Buffalo minus seven. Um, and I'm gonna wait to see probably until Sunday night, maybe Monday morning, to see uh, if this line moves because I would like to move off of the seven and give me if I think that this game could come down to a touchdown for Buffalo. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's hard not to go with Buffalo. Um, New England really just hasn't shown anything uh, on offense this year besides the Chargers game and the Seahawks game. And 
So when when the sample size is that small for their positive performances and their in the other games, they just have so much difficulty keeping up with other teams. Then I think Josh Allen is going to be able to keep the ball rolling here. And Stefan Diggs is and maybe the best wide receiver in the league with Tyreek Hill. So give me give me all the Buffalo I can get. I'm going to ride this friend absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know how you could bet against Buffalo. I mean, they've looked so good. And they, look, Buffalo is firing on all cylinders right now. And like you said earlier on the podcast, they could be one of the only teams that could compete against Kansas City because they could score with them. And that offense has looked great. I mean, 48 points last week, an impressive showing against a Denver defense that's respectable. They're not, I mean, I know Denver's not a good team, but the defense is, it hasn't been their problem. And uh, I think Buffalo has a good chance that, you know, New England lost last week to Miami. I think they could lose again to another NFC East rival in Buffalo. And you mm-hmm. look at the recent matchup stats between those two. I mean, New England against any NFC East team, and you'll see over the last like 10 games between them, New England's dominated every, every game against these teams that are in their NFC East. And it's, I think it's a ch- time for a changing of the guard. And while I, I'm, I'm not happy about it as a Pats fan, you know, it's you can't deny it. It's it's un, it's undeniable at this point. New England's no longer the best team in that division. They're not even the, one of the best two teams in that division. And so I think Buffalo, uh, that's the biggest motivation factor here. Buffalo wants to you know show New England we're we're going to be in this division. We're the number one team. We're going to be the number one team for years to come. I mean, Josh Allen's the best quarterback in that division, and Buffalo's going to be a, a team to be not to be reckoned with for years to come. And I think I think. That's the that's my factor here. I think Buffalo minus seven could be a decent value because I think they want to blow out New England. I think they want to show them, you know, we're we're the guys. We're we're the elite team of the NFC East, and that's and that's what they're going to be trying to to accomplish against the Pats this week. Yeah, and having Miami as a competitive team this year is going to push Buffalo to want to continue winning to make sure they lock up the division. Well, they already and did they, last week. They did. Oh, they really they locked it up as well. Too? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And well, New England, on the other hand, is eliminated from playoff contention. So I think they should be in decent shape uh, in terms of who's going to, who really has the motivating factor. It's Buffalo. Okay. All right. That's a wrap for our, our week 16 preview for these matchups. Again, some of our picks. Um, I like Atlanta plus 10 and a half. I like Miami minus three and the over 47 and a half. I like Cleveland minus 10 and the over 47 and a half against the Jets. I lean Indianapolis minus one and a half. And I like Chicago minus seven and a half and the over in that game against Jacksonville 47. Any, any games you're thinking about gambling on this week? Um, yeah, I definitely like the Dolphins game. That's, that's my best bet of the week. Uh, I love the over for the Tennessee Green Bay game. Yeah, I can't um, forget that then, one. I like Green Bay in that one minus three and a half. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to sprinkle a little bit on that. I like Chicago and then I like Arizona a lot as well. Maybe even Atlanta too, with that plus 10.5, because we know Kansas city just really doesn't seem to blow teams out. Okay. All right. Let's uh, roll into the next, next segment, uh, next segment. Jesus. Yeah. We're rolling, <laughs> rolling an hour and a half on the podcast. So let's try to quicken it up a little bit. We, uh, we got DFS coming up daily fantasy selections. Connor and I are doing really well in this segment over the year really helping our listeners who have been playing our lineups or, or listening to our values. And this week, I think we're in store for another good one. And to start it off, let's, let's start the quarterback position. I went with Mitchell Trubisky 
$5,700 for the week. I think one of my best values. And while there are other guys to maybe target this week um, at the quarterback position, I thought I would try to save some money. Give me just $5,700 at quarterback for a guy that I think could be in the top 10, maybe top, you know, six in points this week for at quarterback. Uh, I like Mitchell Trubisky uh, and his, his chances to have a good game against Jacksonville Jaguars. Who'd you go with the quarterback? Yeah, I like that deep dive value. I'm doing something similar where I'm playing the matchup. I'm going with Jared Goff. So, you know, Trubisky and Goff, certainly not household names on your fantasy football teams. But uh, in DFS this week, the matchups look great. Uh, Goff gets Seattle and he's only 5,900. So it just opens up so much more opportunity when you're able to spend under 6K at quarterback. I like it. I mean, look... Goff had a miserable week last week against the Jets. And so nobody can be more motivated to have a bounce back performance than him. And Seattle's defense ha- has over the course of the season been, you know, lackluster, but I'm hesitant to, to really implement any Rams into my DFS lineup this week, just because I think that the Rams offense has a lot to consider after that, that bad loss against the yeah. Jets last week. One thing to note, Ben, and, and I think a lot of people have a tendency to do this is we need to separate fantasy performance from real life performance. So where Jared Goff had a really bad game against the Jets in fantasy, he still put up like 16 or 17 points, which is absolutely fine if you're only spending 5,900. Um, so if that's kind of Fair. his baseline in, in a bad game, we know that Jared Goff just in the games where the Rams do poorly, he just tends to turn out yardage. Um, sometimes he's light on the touchdowns, but with Cam Akers out um, as well, I think he could possibly have 50 pass attempts. Fair, fair. I'll, 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 I'll concede to you on that. Fair. <laughs> All right. Quarterback values on the week. You know, like my number one guy, Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have the number one week in going to quarterback position. And, and you know, Patrick Mahomes is also a threat, obviously, but Mahomes is, is $700 more expensive. And Mahomes is obviously an animal. You do, you could pick him any week if you, if you want. I mean, he, he's an elite, elite player, but Aaron Rodgers is, is my, is my guy. If, if you're going to spend up at quarterback $7,800 for Aaron Rodgers, I think that's worth it. I think he, he wants that MVP award. Like I said, other guys to target, maybe Deshaun Watson. I think he's in store for a good game against Cincinnati. Kyler Murray. I know San Francisco's defense has been de- reasonably decent against opposing quarterbacks on the season, but I think Kyler, like like we said earlier, I think he, he's getting healthier. He's looked better. He's running the ball a little bit more. And San Francisco's defense has been banged up. And I think that, you know, Arizona could score a decent amount of points against them this week. Other guys, you know, maybe Josh Allen. He looked great last week against New England. I mean, we said Jalen Hurts could be a good value, but he's starting to get priced up up there. I mean, he's ahead of Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill is 6,900. Jalen Hurts, uh, 7,000. Um, other guys, you know, I wouldn't go much lower than Jared Goff and Mitchell Trubisky. I think those are the, the lowest values that I'm willing to take. Matt Ryan is sneaky, too, if um, Julio plays. Uh, that game gets high scoring, too. The matchup against Kansas City has a has a potential to be high scoring, and you know we could see Matt Ryan get some garbage time points, and he's only fifty eight hundred. So, yeah, him him and Hertz for me are, are where I would pivot to. But we know that Hertz is going to have really high ownership this week in daily fantasy too. Um, mm-hmm. He's really the hot new trend as a running quarterback. So, um, if you want to go for a running quarterback, maybe Tyler is the better play. What about Tua? Tua is priced at fifty four hundred dollars facing the Las Vegas Raiders. Would you even consider that? 
I absolutely would consider it. I think what we need to consider for Tua is are our, his weapons healthy. And if he has Gesicki um, and Devontae Parker, who are awesome red zone threats and uh, could both possibly catch a touchdown, then I love having um, Tua there. Otherwise, they, they really do like to lean on some interesting plays in the red zone to get the running backs into the, re- into the end zone. So we saw Salvin Ahmed do like an interesting uh, little tap pass and with, uh, with the quarterback and, uh, you know, second day handoff and then on the end zone with the running play. And so there's some stuff that they do if those guys aren't available that has me concerned about Tua. But if those guys are healthy, yeah, for sure. I agree. I, I think I would consider Tua as well. That's probably as low as I would go. All right, let's go into the running back position. I went with my running back one. I went with Miles Sanders, $7,000 on DraftKings. Uh, like I said earlier on the pod, dude, Miles Sanders is their best player for the Eagles. He's their best player. And so while all this excitement excitement is surrounding Jalen Hurts, I think you, you can't forget about this guy. I mean, he's looked great every time he gets the ball. And when he plays, obviously, he's, he's missed a few games earlier in the year. But I think if Philadelphia's offense is going to have a good game in this one, I think it's got to be through Miles Sanders, not Jalen Hurts. And so I, while Jalen Hurts is still a good value at the quarterback position, he's going to get his points in fantasy. I think Miles Sanders is the guy that has the big game. Um, Price at $7,000. I'm comfortable having him as my running back one on the week. Who's your guy? Yeah, I like Miles Sanders too because the, the only games where he performed poorly is where Philadelphia absolutely got blown out and they had mm-hmm. to move on from the run game and it was a lot of Boston Scott. But they're playing against Dallas, so that's just a very unlikely game line. And so Sanders should be a really safe play at only 7K. Um, another the, the guy I'm going with as my number one running back is David Montgomery. And you know over the past four or five games, he's the hottest running back in fantasy football. Yeah. He's only 7,700. So he's coming in cheaper than Dalvin Cook, who's playing the number one run D, uh, way cheaper than Derrick Henry, who's 9,600. And I think he has the potential to put up just as many points as those guys. Yeah. So if I'm getting two grand of value there with a rock star one, running back one, I'm all in. I almost went with Montgomery, but my thought was just like, I feel like he's going to be a, guy, a popular pick in, in daily fantasy this week. Yeah. Has he been too hot? That, yeah, that's kind exactly. Of the thing, that right? was my thought with him. I mean, obviously you can't go wrong with this pick. He's got, he's the floor is super high. I mean, the, the if he has, you know, the floor is like 60 yards and a touchdown, you know, he's going to have a good game. Yeah. But, it's Jacksonville. Yeah. So I, I think that's a good pick. And I, I had him in my lineup originally, but I, I just wanted to, you know, save a little bit of money. I thought Miles Sanders for $700 cheaper um, was worth the value for me. And, well, I was able and there's to something to be some... said about having like a quarterback and running back on the same team to mm-hmm. limit, it kind of limits your upside because, you know, either one or the other really is going to get the touchdown. Yeah. Typically a quarterback doesn't throw a touchdown to a running back. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that you would want to have either Mr. Bisky or Montgomery, but probably not both. Um, originally I actually had Mr. Bisky as my quarterback and then I wanted Montgomery as my running back. So I moved off of him. So uh, yeah, both of those guys we like uh, this week uh, for our listeners then. Okay. All right. The running back two spot, I went with Kareem Hunt and I mentioned this earlier on the podcast, the Jets give up a lot of receptions to opposing running backs. And while the rush defense has been a little bit better for the Jets, I think Nick Chubb gets a, a slight downgrade from his weekly projections. Um, obviously Nick Chubb's still a great player and could be a, a worthwhile value in DFS, but, uh, not the best matchup for him. But while that makes, uh, a, a little bit more difficult for Nick Chubb, I think Kareem Hunt is in store for a good game. Price had a $5,900. I think he could be a running back one on the week, maybe a, a, a high running back two value. And, and I think Nick, Kareem Hunt is, could be in store for a good one. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. 
Um, my running back two, I'm going with JD McKissick. He's coming in at 6,400. Um, one thing to note with JD McKissick, uh, this is dependent on if Antonio Gibson plays or not. Now he's still going to be a good play if Antonio Gibson is active, but his touch levels will definitely drop. Uh, he's a guy who catches a ton of passes. So when we're talking about PPR and DFS, he's an absolute rock star with a great floor um, because of his target totals. Last week, he had another really good game, I think like 24 points, 10 before that, and 17 previous to that. So for a guy who's coming in at only 6,400, really good option. If Antonio Gibson does play and Ezekiel Elliott happens to be out, a guy who's only $100 more is Tony Pollard. I will be slotting him into my lineup oh, if yeah. Antonio if, if, Gibson is active and Zeke is out. Yeah, if Zeke is out, Tony Pollard is the player of the week for DraftKings. He's, he's absolutely a smash, which is why I wanted to bring him up here because J.D. McKissick is, is literally the same price, $100 less. If you look at my remaining salary, I have $100 left in there. So I literally just do a one-for-one one swap, get Tony Pollard in there because he's going to be also the goal line guy if, if Zeke is inactive. So not only to have the pass catcher, but also the goal line guy in one position under 6,500, that is a smack Yeah. All right. Um, some values at the running back position. We already talked about uh, Tony Pollard. If Ezekiel Elias is out, and it looks like he, he, it's a possibility. I mean, I know they're optimistic about him, but, I mean, they were optimistic about him last week, and he ended up sitting out on Sunday. So keep an eye on that. You know who I kind of like this week is DeAndre Swift for the Detroit Lions. And while the, the Tampa Bay rush defense is – uh, known for being one of the better in the league. They're second against opposing running backs on the season in fantasy. I think DeAndre Swift is, is, is an, uh, has an opportunity to catch a good amount of passes this week. Tampa Bay gives up the most opposing reception. Uh, re- Tampa Bay's defense has given up the most receptions to opposing running backs on the season. So while their, their rush defense has been good, give up a lot of receptions to opposing running backs. And so DeAndre Swift, I think, could catch some passes and a touchdown in this one. So I like his value, especially with Kenny Galladay out. they got to run the offense through somebody. I think uh, Swift could be a decent value against the Bucs. Other guys, um, obviously I said Kareem Hunt. I think Le'Veon Bell, he's going to be a starting running back for Kansas City. He's, he's at a decent value at $5,800. I think he could be good. Oh, so James Conner is playing this week. And so I, I see that now. So we talked about that earlier. I mean, Look, Steelers de- rush defense, you, can't, you have to stay away from that. You can't play him. But uh, Leonard Fournette is an interesting play uh, with Ronald Jones still on COVID uh, IR. And they're playing against Detroit, which is the 31st ranked run defense in yeah. terms of fantasy running, running back points. Um, Fournette had two touchdowns last week, 14 carries. So if he's going to be the guy, he's going to have all the opportunities in terms of pass catching and, and running. So he makes a smash play if Ronald Jones is out as well. Um, And then monitor the Miami running back situation. If only Ahmed or Gaskin is active, I love that option against the Raiders. Yeah, the the Miami rush game, I mean, it's tough to figure out how this is going to look because we haven't seen uh, Gaskin and Ahmed in the same game. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. It's a stay away for me for, for daily fantasy this week, just because you're taking a gamble on that. You don't know who's going to be the, the guy that gets the bulk of the carries. I mean, it could be both of them have good games because I think Vegas's defense is that bad. But um, for me, it's just like one, one hurts the value of the other too much. And so I'm staying away from both. So both those guys this week. Um, and uh, one more guy to mention along the same idea is that, you know, we know Raheem Mostert's out, so we have more clarity there. Jeff, Jeff Wilson, Wilson Jr. Jr. should get a majority of the touches and be a good play. Yeah. Other guys, I mean, I mean Kenyon Drake's not terrible. Naheem Hines, I think, could be adequate for the for the uh, Colts. But, you know, you're getting you're getting down to some some risky plays here when you go this low. 
Yeah, though, to note that both of those guys are priced at like fifty two hundred, right? So yeah, we're, we're talking pretty cheap players at that point. Maybe if you if you're optimistic about the Rams' running game this week against Seattle, you go Daryl uh, Henderson Jr. at forty five hundred against Seattle. He's going to be the starting guy alongside Malcolm Brown. The one one A one B combination between those two, they'll, they'll likely see a decent amount of touches. And so forty five hundred dollars for I mean fifteen touches probably from Henderson Jr. this week. It's an okay value. All right, so next uh, next position, let's go into the wide receiver ca- category. In my wide receiver one spot, I mean, I took the obvious choice here. I went with Tyreek Hill. $9,000, it was worth it for me. I wanted to pay up for my guy, Tyreek. He's leading the NFL in touchdowns, 17 on the season. Really, that keeps his floor so high. It's like, I mean, even if Tyreek doesn't catch that big bomb on the season, he's still one of the league leaders in red zone targets. Uh, Mahomes just looks his way so often and the, the Kansas city offense is just so good. Uh, Atlanta's defense giving up a lot of points this year and uh, Kyrie kill. I like his opportunity for a big game. Even, even despite the talk about his hamstring woes, his hamstring troubles. I just think Tyree kill is just such an animal. I, I'm going to take him for $9,000. If Tyreek ends up being limited at all, Travis Kelsey is a match play in, in a great way. You can take up some of that um, huge dollar amount that he costs um, and then pivot to somebody else in your wide receiver spot. I agree. Who'd you go with in your, in your wide receiver one spot? My wide receiver one spot, I'm stacking with Goff uh, and I'm going with Robert Woods. Seattle, uh, their defense has been one of the worst against the past. I know they've been a little bit better since getting um, Jamal Adams back, but Robert Woods is just a target hound. And again, yeah. with no K makers in the running game, I expect that the short passing game is going to be highly available. And Robert Woods is one of the best yards after the catch guys. So mm-hmm. he, he definitely has an opportunity to break one. if like he's given a lot of targets. Yeah. I like that one. You know, you know what I kind of feel like he, he's due for as one of those jet sweeps where he scores a touchdown on the jet sweep. I think he's, mm-hmm. he's always good for like three touchdowns a year that are running. Yeah. I think I, I, I like that one. I like, I like Robert Woods this week at $7,000. That's a good value in my wide receiver two spot. I spent up again. I wanted, I wanted to really, I, I know I, I saved some money in my, in my running back position, position in my quarterback position. So I wanted to, you know, get the most value that I could out of the wide receiver spot. I went with Allen Robinson and this has been a trend that I've been rolling for with uh, in recent weeks. Robinson's been really closing out the season strong. He's looking like he's going to get his, his money. He's going to be a wide receiver. He's going to be a free agent this off season. And I think Al Robinson is really trying to finish the season out strong. Um, I paid up for $7,700 for Allen Robinson in this one. The Jacksonville Jaguars defense is one of the worst secondaries in the league. And I think that the Chicago bears offense keeps it rolling this week. For $7,700, I was able to get in two wide receiver ones in my book um, in my daily fancy lineup. Who'd you go with? Uh, so for me, I'm going with Amari Cooper here. I really like the matchup against Philadelphia secondary. And we were talking about how we like both teams to be able to put up some points in this game. If the, um, if the Dallas Cowboys are going to put up points, Amari Cooper is still the number one target. And mm-hmm. for a, a high potential ceiling guy, um, and he's only coming in at 5,700, He's got 950 yards on the season. He's going to be a thousand yard receiver once again, and he's only 5,700. So it's just a great opportunity to get him into my lineup. Yeah. Yeah. I don't hate that one. The thing with Dallas is though, it's always a coin flip between which receiver is going to cast a touchdown. You know, it was Gallup last week. Um, I think Schultz has got a touchdown or two of recent weeks. You get, you got some guys that 
aren't necessarily ones that people target in daily fantasy that will be catching touchdown passes. And so I like your Cooper play. I think that, you know, he's a decent value of $5,700, but you know, that's always a risk, which is Dallas having, a, you know, it's kind of weird that their offense is this bad, but it's mainly because Dak Prescott's not around because they do have a lot of weapons and they have a lot of guys that Dalton could throw to. And so that's what has me worried about Cooper, but you know, it's a risk that, you know, for $5,700 isn't a terrible one to take. Yeah, I always love if I'm going to spend down on a risky player for him to have that, yeah, that ceiling. Really that's high ceiling. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. My wide receiver three spot looks like we both went with the same guy at wide receiver three. Kiki QT, someone that has been getting a lot of targets ever since Will Fuller has been out. I think he's got at least seven targets in his last three games. I think he had 100, 100, score, 100 yards or a score in each of his last three or four games, I believe. Um, it was or a score. So hundred yards or a score. So it, mm. it keeps his floor high and he's facing a, a team that isn't, you know, the Cincinnati's defense is not necessarily one that's known for being very great. Uh, so like I said earlier on the podcast, I think Cincinnati is in danger of, you know, taking a, a step back in this matchup. I think that, you know, they got their win and now they're content with that. And maybe they just kind of lay an egg and, and come out flat against Houston in this one. So QT, as long as he plays, he's questionable on the week right now but I think he could be a good value for $5,400. He's going to be, you know, probably the number one receiver for Houston this week. I know Brandon cooks um, has been that guy for them as well, but you know, I think QT could be a good value. Yeah. For the same reasons, you know, the matchup price and QT's recent performance, um, he certainly makes an awesome value play in, in the flex. Um, I have him in the flex for me wide receiver three for you. Okay. Who'd you go with him in your wide receiver three spot then? But for my wide receiver three spot, I have Deontay Johnson. Um, Deontay drops in. I don't know. But this guy still is a target hound. Uh, James Conner, widely yeah. effective. So they love that short passing game. And in a game where Indianapolis has a really uh, strong defensive line, to be able to combat that, we said they need to get the short passing game right. And if anyone on this team has high potential and is an absolute burner, it's going to be Deontay Johnson. So I like him at his value. He's only 6,300 and I think he gets a lot of volume this weekend. Certainly some other values at the wide receiver position, you know, we're trying to, we, while we're setting our lineup using the Sunday slate of games that the main slate to try to keep the, uh, I mean, that's the most common DFS lineups that people use on, on the week, week to week basis. Um, I'm sure there's going to be, going to be people, you know, setting DFS lineups for like the Friday and the Saturday games. Oh, absolutely. So trying to give some values across the league, but, um, for me, I mean, I'll start with some, one of my better values on the week, I think could be, uh, Chris Godwin for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Detroit lions. Godwin starting to, you know, come around and get, build that rapport with Brady caught a touchdown. I think over, over last, I think he got a touchdown or two over his last few games. And uh, he's priced at $6,000. He could be a good value. I mean, he's priced. I mean, look at these guys that he priced around. Juju Smith-Schuster. Guy cost people fantasy matchups last week. He was terrible against the Bengals. In negative, uh, negative points. Yeah. And so the way he's, he, the way he's priced, Chris Godwin, I just think that's criminal. He's, he's just too low. I mean, he, he, you have Deontay Johnson over him, Corey Davis over him, Mike. I mean, come on. Godwin's got to get some more respect than that. I mean, I think, I think he could be a good value for $6,000. I mean, I think that's a good one. Anybody you're targeting this week? Besides um, the ones outside, that we already mentioned? Yeah. Outside of the players we already have um, in that same matchup is Antonio Brown. And he, he's another guy who has a high potential and he's only 5,300. Brown finally caught one of those Brady deep balls last week and he, he put up 20 points. So he had five for 93 and a touchdown on seven targets. You know, Brown, uh, Brown, I think will, 
is going to get, you know, two to three deep targets a game from Brady and the, he only needs to catch one and that that's going to make your fantasy week. Um, and then at 5,200 is Emmanuel Sanders. Sanders had 70 yards last week without Michael Thomas and, and Breeze's first game back. And Breeze uh, earlier in the season heavily targeted Emmanuel Sanders when Michael Thomas was out. So if, if Breeze is at least a little bit healthy, Sanders could be a good value play at only 5,200. Fair. Yeah. My, uh, my opponent in our fantasy matchup decided to, to pick up Sanders and slot him into his flex. So I'm rooting against Emmanuel Sanders for sure. I'm rooting, him. I'm rooting against him this week. You know, someone who I think could be intriguing for me is, um, well, I mean, obviously Devontae Adams is a stud and in the Sunday night football matchup, you're not really, um, a lot of the main slate of games isn't going to include the Sunday night football matchup, but for anybody, including those game, that game between Tennessee and green Bay, you know who I kind of like is, Mar- I mean, obviously Devontae Adams, but Mar- uh, Markavis Valdez Scanley. I think he could be a guy that catches a big play this week for Green Bay. Like you said earlier, Tennessee is going to try to stretch the field against the Packers. And I think the Packers might try to come back up with the, a few big plays of their own. Markavis Valdez Scanley is continually a, a guy that Rodgers looks for deep on, on deep balls that he throws. And so I think he could be a guy that catches a long touchdown this week. Another guy that um, I'm optimistic for this week. I'm taking a dart throw on in my flex position. I'm going to go with Donovan Peoples Jones for Cleveland, a guy that, you know, is, isn't he's a rookie and he's a guy that isn't necessarily someone that people think about with, with the big, the, the potential for big plays and, and having big games. But, you know, he, he's a guy that he's catching the balls that Baker throws his way. He called three of his targets last week for 55 yards. He has a touchdown over, uh, I think in, he has two touchdowns, I think over his last five games or so, or three, uh, four games or so. And, He's he's continually coming becoming a guy that is he's a consistent deep threat for Baker and somebody that when Baker's trying to stretch the field he looks at he looks people's Jones's way and over the last three weeks he has eight receptions for an average of twenty seven point six yards per catch so I mean he, when he catches the ball he's he's getting chunk yardage and so uh, the only thing is though with Cleveland there's a, a receiver Kaderil Hodge who had a hamstring injury and he's he's coming back now and he he's getting healthier. And so that's possible that Hodge kind of starts to take away some of people Jones's role in that offense. But, you know, with Donovan people Jones playing the way that he has been someone who has been, been able to stretch the field for Baker in the Cleveland offense. I think that for just $3,700 that I got him at, I think that it's worth the dart throw for me to try to fit some better value across my lineup. Yeah. And then, then I had Kiki QT who we already talked about, should be a really good play this week. A couple of other good plays that I like. Uh, Marvin Jones, if Kenny Galladay is out yes, again. I was going to mention um, that. Tampa Bay, really bad against the pass. So Marvin Jones has two out of three huge games in the past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I think 30 points last week and then 28 uh, two weeks ago in DFS um, with, Am- with an okay Amendola game in between. Might be a guy to look at, as, look at too. Amendola mm-hmm. from Detroit for those same reasons for for Marvin Jones Jr. Amendola kind of a guy that's more of a possession receiver um, and, and Tampa Bay gives up a lot of, a lot of receptions. And so Amendola could be a guy that catches like seven to eight passes on a day in a PPR yeah. form. And that's very valuable. And then one other guy who um, is probably going to be in a lot of lineups once again, because he's been extremely hot as Brandon Ayuk. He has three straight 20 point games and he's only 6,700 with Debo out um, possibly George Kittle coming back. So watch out for that. But Ayuk could be another smash play this week. Okay. All right. Let's go into the tight end position at tight end. You know, I, I had to save some money cause I, I spent up a receiver for Tyree kill and Allen Robinson. 
Um, so I had, I had to find a good value here and you know, who I, I found myself on was, was Zach Ertz. And you know, this, this isn't Zach Ertz of 2019. This is Zach Ertz of 2020. And the thing about Zach Ertz is he's had such a down year that, you know, he's gotta, he's gotta have a bad taste in his mouth. You know, he's gotta be feeling, you know, I had a bad season let me finish strong. Let me, you know, I think he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. Correct. I think he is. Yeah, that is right. And that, that, that's um, one of the big issues that's been going on with them is that he, they haven't really had good contract talks this year. So the emergence of Dallas Goddard was kind of expected. Yeah, he had seven targets last week, though. So, I mean, Jalen Hurts, if he's going to throw the ball as well as he did last week, I think Hurts had, what, like 300 and some, I think 305 yards or so last week. Yeah, for- over 400 total and 60 of which were um, running. Yeah, so the the Eagles offense, I, I like this week, and I think Zach Ertz could be a decent value at tight end, just $3,100 this week. Seven targets last week, 69 yards. Didn't get the touchdown that you're looking for, but I think that could be coming this week for just $3,100. I mean, you're looking at guys priced out around him that are just not nearly worth the ceiling that he, that Zach Ertz has. Because, I mean, we all know Ertz has the talent to be a good tight end. He just hasn't had the opportunity this year. And, I mean, you guys that are priced at around the same, same value as Ertz this week, and you got – uh, Jimmy Graham, who I'm not excited about. Dawson Knox, uh, Dalton Schultz is is more expensive. Uh, Vance McDonald is more expensive than Zach Ertz. Dan Arnold for the Cardinals is more expensive. I mean, come on. I mean, Ertz is more talented than these guys. And so I think he deserves a little, a little bit more respect. And so I went with him in my, in my tight end spot for $3,100. Yeah, I think that's a really good play. Um, for me, I also had to spend down at tight end, and I went with Austin Hooper. We talked about the matchup against the Jets. The Jets have a decent run defense, and so we think that you know there's going to have to be some more shorter passes going on, and so we liked Kareem Hunt, and we liked Austin Hooper this week. That's why I'm, I'm going with him. Um, and then I actually do think there are a decent amount of values. Obviously, like we said, Travis Kelsey, if you're able to fit him into a couple of your lineups, he's going to be a smash play. I actually really like Mark Andrews. We know that the Giants defense is yeah. very strong outside with uh, Jabril Peppers and Bradbury. So Andrews might might um, get a lot of looks as they try to move the ball. And then Logan Thomas um, has just been unbelievable lately. 13 catches last week for 100 yards. Uh, and then three weeks ago, nine for 98 in the touchdown. So a really high potential player, uh, Logan Thomas, and he gets Carolina, only 4,900. And then the last guy I wanted to highlight was Noah Fant. Fant, um, his body type and his athleticism makes him a really great option to, you know, break one at any point during the game. And last week he had eight catches for 68 yards and a touchdown to go with 11 targets. So if he's going to be that highly targeted by Drew Locke um, in a game against a bad defense being the Chargers, then I I think Noah Fant could also be a really good option for only 48 yeah. You know, if Mike Kosicki is healthy, I mean, if he plays this game, I know he's, he's, he's had limited practices. He's got the shoulder injury. Kosicki was on a roll before he got hurt and he was playing one of the, he was one of the best tight ends in the league when he, before he got hurt. And so he's priced out at $4,400. He's below all the elite, the elite tiers, all those guys you just mentioned. I think if Kosicki plays, he could be worth a dart throw for, at 4,400. Yeah. Tua loves him in the red zone. So absolutely huge, yeah. huge play threat for Kosicki. Okay. Yeah. And I mentioned Jimmy Graham earlier. I, I look, I don't like Chicago's deep tight end situation because I think Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet kind of chance, cancel each other out. And so it's a coin flip between, I mean, if, if one of them catches a touchdown, it's not going to be both of them. It's one of them. And so if you take a risk on one of those guys, I mean, I guess I'd be trying to save a hundred dollars on Cole Komet, but you know, it's like, 
it's not worth it. It's not worth the op because I don't think either is going to have that great of a game. And then it just depends. You're just touchdown dependent. And so I think, I think that those two guys are kind of ones to stay away from despite the good matchup against Jacksonville. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for the tight end position. Let's just roll into the last position we got here. Defensive position, defensive and special teams. I went with the, uh, sorry, the, the Denver Broncos. I was, I was going to say Seattle. No, not Seattle. I had Seattle initially and I'll talk about them for a value, but uh, I went the Denver Broncos uh, against the LA chargers, $2,300. Like I said, I think the, the under is going to hit this game. I'm not liking the points um, in this matchup. And I think that both these teams are going to um, struggle to score points in this game. I think Broncos defense could be a, an adequate value for $2,300. I was able to, you know, save money there and spend it elsewhere on my lineup. Yeah, and similarly for me, I had to go with a value play of going with the New York Jets. <laughs> um, and that weird defensive say, line last week, you know, the D line looks good. They can make some plays, and Cleveland's not the uh, not known for being the most explosive team with with Baker at quarterback. I know they've shown some some points this season that they can score, but in general, he's more of a game manager. And if we're going to stifle the running game, then I think the Jets could be a decent value at only two thousand. You know, they're the second cheapest team on the slate behind only ahead of um, the Atlanta Falcons against the Chiefs. And you know, I wouldn't ever suggest playing anyone against the Chiefs. So, um, yeah, give me the Jets for only 2K. Yeah. So other values at defense, I mean, there's not much to be optimistic about at the, at the lower end of these defensive uh, prices. You know, I mean, like I said, the Seahawks might be one of the lower ones I'm willing to, you know, consider because I think the Rams offense really got stifled last week and maybe the jets were able to show the Seahawks on uh, a couple tips on what they could, you know, do to help them this week against the Rams. And I think the Seahawks defense couldn't, I mean, the Rams are one of the worst turnover teams in the NFL. And so the, the Seahawks could, you know, get a couple turnovers an interception, a fumble, no cam acres, you know, just kind of some things stacking up against the Rams in this one. I think the Seahawks could be an all right value at defense. Um, not a whole lot to be optimistic about with these lower, lower tier teams though. Any thoughts on, on any values at defense? Yeah, I mean, going up a thousand dollars from the Jets, uh, the Washington football team is three thousand, and that defense is just littered with talent. Mm-hmm. Um, over the past five weeks, they've they've had at least one interception or fumble recovery in each, yeah. and nine turnovers forced in total. And that doesn't even bring into the fact that they've also scored a couple, um, three touchdowns over the past five weeks. So this yeah. team is almost better than a 50% chance bet to score a touchdown in a game. And there are nearly a hundred percent bet to get a turnover over the last five weeks. That is, um, yeah. so they're just extremely hot. They haven't given up over 20 points in the last five games either. So in the terms of talented, a safe floor and a really talented defense yeah. for only three K, I, I really like Washington. So when you consider talent and price, um, the Washington football team has to be the one to highlight too. I like that one because um, for just $3,000, there's a, there's a big bundle of defenses priced out more expensive than they are this weekend. I mean, like you said, they're, they're loaded with talent. I mean, Chase Young is the guy that everybody talks about there, but there's so many guys on the defense. I mean, sweat, that guy's an animal. Uh, there's, there's so many guys. On, on yeah. Washington. He was a first round guy himself. Yeah. So Yeah. I like that one. You know, defense is not a position that I get too excited about myself. And so I try to just find the best value that a defense that I'm willing to take for the lowest price. And so I think we highlighted some teams there that, you know, besides the obvious ones that you look at the the most expensive, like the Browns, I mean, against the Jets, you can't go wrong with that. Bears against Jacksonville. Uh, Probably Buffalo against New England's a decent play this week. But, you know, those are 
too expensive for me. I'm not, I'm not trying to spend up a defense to, you know, stuff for another other spots on my roster for DFS. Right. It's almost difficult at defense to pay up unless it's an absolute rock star matchup because defense is so variable from game to game. And, and even last you know, week, we, I mean, we, we Rams, just saw the number one team last week. Yeah. And with the, essentially the two top defenses, the Rams and the Steelers both give up large games. So yeah, it's, it's just not worth true, spending up there in our exactly. opinion. Exactly. All right. To, to wrap it up, we'll list off our lineups. One with Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback, Miles Sanders and Kareem Hunt at running back, Tyreek Hill, Allen Robinson, and Kiki QT at wide receiver. Zach Ertz at tight end, Donovan Peoples-Jones at my flex spot, and the Denver Broncos in my defense's special team slot. And I have Jared Goff at quarterback, uh, David Montgomery, and McKissick at running back. With the asterisk that if Zeke doesn't play, I'm going to play Tony Pollard. Um, That's not and fair. Then, I would do that. <laughs> Go ahead. Even asterisk a guy, but I don't see anybody who's at the same price level. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, but then I also have Deontay Johnson, Amari Cooper, and Kiki QT at wide receiver. Um, my tight end, Austin Hooper. Uh, flex, Robert Woods. So I guess I flipped those guys. But uh, defense, uh, I have the New York Jets. Very cool. All right, buddy. Thanks again for, for joining me for the podcast. Let me ask you this really quick. So uh, you and I, we talked about the Mandalorian on a previous podcast, you know, that final episode for season two, for anybody who hasn't seen it yet, you, you, you got it. If you're a man, if you've been watching the Mandalorian, man, that season two finale was incredible. Like I said to you earlier last week, man, my favorite, I think my favorite 45 minutes of anything star Wars ever or at least up there, you know, maybe since like the original trilogy and it was incredible. The Luke Skywalker, you know, uh, cameo. Oh my gosh. And and just like the whole scene, it was just so fast moving, so action packed, you know, and who can't love, but who can, who couldn't love that embrace between little baby Grogu and, and didn't, at the end, the Mandalorian at the end where he takes his mask off, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure people started crying at, at some people started crying at that point, you know, it's just such an emotional and, and, you know, high strung season finale that, I mean, and every, every twist and turn seemed to go in the way that you wanted it to go. And really it just proves that, you know, that, that show was just done so well, so well. Yeah. And John, John Favreau and David Filoni have to be, those are the directors and the creators mainly for mainly responsible for this, uh, this Mandalorian series. And at a lot of the star Wars, recent star Wars, um, productions, those two guys got to be the most valuable commodities at Disney and, and star Wars. And, you know, just such a great show. I was glad, I was so happy that the way that season two wrapped up. And I think that, uh, I'm, I'm super excited for all the star Wars content to come because if, if Filoni and Favreau have their, their fingerprints on any of the other stuff that's coming out, you know, count, count me in. I'm going to, I'm going to be excited to watch it. Yeah. Disney and Disney plus have been huge winners lately. Um, and that's really because of Mandalorian and, and some of the other original shows that they're going to be yeah. launching upcoming. And it, it's got to well, inspire a lot of too. confidence. I mean, really Mandalorian alone was worth the price of the the monthly cost of Disney plus. And so I'm super excited for other star Wars shows that they're going to be launching in the future on the website. And, you know, as an investor of Disney, I'm really excited about the the future of their streaming service as well, because yeah, sneak that one a, in. Yeah, I'm they, an investor they, at Disney. They consider my opinions and they, no, <laughs> no I, I don't, I certainly don't sit in the board meetings or anything by any means, but, um, you know, they're doing some really cool stuff and, and definitely capitalizing yeah. on the stay at home movement um, with Disney plus has just totally. been an absolute boon to their business. Yeah, dude. I, you know, keep the Mandalorian, rocking at Disney, keep rocking dude, at Mando. 
Yeah, the Mandalorian actually got me intrigued with the older series, and you know I hadn't caught in the uh, the the animated series Rebels and Clone Wars, and so I actually just finished the Clone Wars series. And you know, for anybody who hasn't watched that one, the Mandalorian really hints at a lot of the occurrences and like the the story arc of the Clone Wars in these animated series that Dave Filoni, who I mentioned, who's involved with the Mandalorian, he was the creator of those animated series, and they're really good, really underrated. Look, animated series and i know they used to air on cartoon network which was kind of the original turnoff for me because it was like i don't want to watch a star wars series on cartoon network but you know i really enjoyed clone wars and, and i think that if you like the mandalorian and you want to like learn more about soka tano who was in season two or the dark saber that moff gideon um had it and mando took in the in the season finale of season two mm -hmm. if you want to learn more about those things you, you should watch those series because it's really entertaining all right, yeah, buddy. Absolutely. All right, buddy. That's going to wrap it up for episode 56 of Vicious Talk with Benny P. Thanks again so much, Connor. I really appreciate you uh, working on our schedules and trying to figure out time this week. I know the Christmas holiday keeps us busy and we're happy that anybody, you know, tuning in for the Christmas holiday, you know, Merry Christmas to everybody. I hope you have a, an opportunity to listen before, you know, digging in your Christmas dinners, enjoying your family time and enjoying some NFL football this week. Yeah, absolutely. You know, thank you so much from all of us at All Things Analysis and everybody. I hope you have a, a safe and enjoyable holiday uh, season. Yep. All right. Don't forget to follow All Things Analysis on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Go to allthingsanalysis.com. Subscribe on the website. Catch all the new stuff that we're posting on there. We have a big launch coming up in a couple months. We're excited to kind of do a, a second relaunch, a more official um, setting. All Things Analysis, we're expanding uh, increasing our network and we are, you know, thinking about new ideas for content. And we're hoping that we'll have a, a really web, a website that we're really proud to put our names on and, and really highlight our work um, besides just the vicious talk podcast here. Um, so we're really working hard on that stuff. And also don't forget to follow vicious talk on, you know, subscribe, rate and review vicious talk with Benny P on SoundCloud. Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I think it's on Podcast One. Um, really appreciate all the support of listeners. I think we, last week we had some of our higher, highest listener totals I've ever seen. Really, we're getting you know over over maybe like fifteen hundred listeners or so a week, and it's really it's really a, a encouraging sight to see. I appreciate that people are starting to you know take notice of our success here on the podcast, and we're going to try to keep the, the momentum rolling. Yeah, man. I absolutely love it. You know, everything's pointing up for us here and, and hopefully for our listeners as well. Yeah. 2020 was, you know, a good year for, for all things analysis and vicious talk with Benny P and, you know, it was, it wasn't the best year in total, uh, you know, a lot of stuff going wrong with the world, but, you know, we have optimism here at all things analysis and we're going to continue to try to keep that momentum rolling into the next 2020, 21 year as well. Yeah. All right, buddy. That's it for vicious talk with Benny P episode 56. Everybody listening, don't forget to ask yourself at the end of the day, are you vicious? <laughs>